0: Good evening and welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. I am Tom. I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Turnbuckle, the Body Slam Bastard. <laughs> and this right here
1: is Justin. And I am the guest today. But also we have another guest. You're
0: not the guest, man. You're always here. <laughs> yeah, whatever. This guy's always hanging out, acting whatever like I he's says. a guest, man. He's always this guy's living on the couch talking about he's a guest. It's so <laughs> comfortable on the couch. <laughs> Sam Sherrick, how you doing, buddy? What's up? I'm good. How are All you? All right, man. Yeah, our yeah. guest tonight is Sam Sherrick. He plays drums in uh, Blame God and Hadjenty. Any other bands currently? Uh, yeah, Erosion. Calcified. Right. Calcified. Jesus, I can't keep up with you, man. These drummers, Drummer. If you. Dude, drummers are always in like 10 bands. All right, <laughs> we talked to you about a couple of your bands. I guess we're gonna find out a couple of your new ones, man. You're also pursuing a career in the professional wrestling arts. That's right. Okay, man. We're gonna talk about all of it tonight, man. And tonight is our special wrestling episode. We're not doing top tens. We're not doing uh, countdowns or anything like that because there's so many great wrestlers that are metal adjacent and have metal qualities that we're just gonna pick ten and start talking about them and leave it open for for another edition.
1: Yeah, we're not, trying to, we're not trying to create some arguments, although there 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 might be, but consider this the part one.
0: I, I feel like with you and me in the same room, there's gonna be arguments no matter what nowadays. <laughs> that Lord Worm thing, I'm still tight, bro. <laughs> At least Lord Worm's <laughs> not a wrestler too, right? There's only, <laughs> only one way to settle this, yeah. man. That's in the steel the, the steel cage match. You and me. <laughs> Wait till we start yeah. talking
1: about Insane Clown posse. <laughs> oh,
0: I want a worm match. I want a bed full of worms match with a w- Justin. A man. worm on a pole. Yeah, at the Heavy Hold uh, SummerSlam edition. All right. he's, on, he's recorded. He's on records <laughs> in stores. <laughs> I'm not. It's fine. He's got it. All right, man. Before we get into the great Malenko and all that stuff, um, Sam, how you doing? I'm doing great. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. Played a show with uh, plain God
2: on Saturday. In Brooklyn at the Broadway it was an awesome show we played with kidnapped from uh, Connecticut they're a good up-and-coming uh, power violence band uh, Prowns was like a noisy kind of rock band from around here and uh, porcupine which was <laughs> a uh, like another more power violence type band that crowns uh, is on tour with so it, it was a good show a, a lot of friends came out
3: sick yeah. all, right. all good names at crowns I don't
2: know what that means but uh, how does that was- spelled P-R-O-U-N-S It's like, yeah,
1: I feel like it's some kind of measuring unit for like dirt or something It's about language or something, like how do you pronounce that?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Pronouns>. <laughs> how you pronounce yeah. that? Uh, probably, yeah, they're from East Long Island <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you pronounce that? Alright, so, uh, Justin, how was your weekend, brother? Um, yeah, great weekend, uh, you know,
1: doing a little bit of a send-off to a good brother um, You got I mean, your wish Holy leaving. Holy shit, uh, Tom. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. You know what? I, yeah, I had been, uh, you know, praying with candles uh, under my bed, you know, hands and knees, all this kind of stuff. Lit uh, candles under the bed. yeah. That's yeah. right.
0: <laughs> Scented this candles. Nice and
1: toasty in the summer. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, um, put a lot of tequila on it, did some power washing, and uh, a little bit of under the hood engine work. On a car, you know, and myself, and the soul.
0: I thought you were still describing the night out with tequila. I had no idea. What <laughs> it all on. kind of blended together. It, yeah, you woke up and you were doing work on your car. Yeah. In power washing.
1: Tom, how was uh, how was your weekend?
3: Well, I was also sending off uh, bad boy Travis, and then uh, yesterday I went to see Cannabis Corpse at Blackthorn Fifty One over in Queens. Oh, with
2: Craigaloth, right? Yeah, our, our homeboys.
3: Yeah, Craig-a-Loth. yeah. Mm-hmm. it was. Uh, you know, Blackthorn just doesn't really promote their shows well enough it's kind of a shame that's because, true uh, yeah. I didn't know about it yeah nobody knew this was happening except for the bands uh, so yeah. it was, I have a fast
1: internet connection too and I had no idea
3: yeah and usually like Cannabis Corp plays around here and they, they do well to selling out you know at Vitus or whatever But
2: yeah that Vitus that show was fucking awesome yeah that they played
3: so uh, if you're listening to this and you're from Blackthorn get on your promoting because you have a cool venue we want to know invite
0: us we'll pay to get in yeah exactly <laughs> come on man <laughs>
1: All, right. all come, right, man. Come on the heavy hole and tell us why you don't want anybody at you. All right. I'm,
0: all right. Well, I'm going to tell you, even though I'm going to tell you why nobody cares about Will's weekend. Well, how was your weekend, man? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> come, on. <laughs> come on. I just got to keep the show rolling, man. I don't really want to tell you about my weekend anyway. But I went out to uh, the Long Island Antique Power Association's uh, Antique Tractor and, and Power Show. Uh, all the way out. He's out there by Matatuck. Um, like you're talking, like you take the lie till it stops, and you still drive for like a good 45 minutes, man. You're passing farms and vineyards, and they had like an actual locomotive that they used to use in New Mexico in like the 20s and 30s, running up there on a trailer. Lots of really da- they had a big saw blade, maybe like five, four or five feet or so, man. It was chopping wooden logs, like it was nothing. Blacksmiths, they had a blacksmith forging things. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty amazing. It was uh, I was very in- intrigued. Huh? Yeah. And more metal work. Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of metal. This weekend, Good. yeah, yeah. I wore an internal bleeding shirt, mm. as is as per tradition, to rep Long Island at the Long Island, you know. And uh, I also I went fishing today, uh, the usual spot. With the old man caught five fish, served them up for dinner. No big deal. It's beautiful. So that's that's life on Long Island. Yeah, that's the smell. Yep, that's Got why it. I smell like like rotten clams right now. Yeah. Good. <laughs> this tonight in particular. Other
3: nights there's other reasons. You usually smell pearly clean, but I, I do have a bit of it.
1: It's okay though. Yeah, that's what Long Island's all about. That's right. So do you do uh, breadcrumb? Do you, uh, bread crumb? Do you
0: uh, a little bit of lemon, salt, and pepper. Panko chips. Oh, great! Go a long way. Also, um, a little bit of the old beer batter is classic for fish, man. For sure, you know, yes. and you get, get a nice sharp knife, cut them fillets up, man. Take the fish guts and the fish heads and the skeletons, uh, bury them for your vegetable garden. Bing bong, thank you. I listen to black metal too. I can do that. <laughs> Come on. I'm na- Take I'm, a picture for your album cover, too. I'm a nature guy. Yeah, yeah I'm, I do it. You will use it. Just like the ancestors of yore. Um, all right, so uh, so Sam, so before we roll uh, any further uh, with the wrestling thing, I want to do a quick update because we've interviewed a few. We've interviewed Hadjenty and Blame God at separate times. What's going
2: on with Blame God? Uh, Blame God's got an EP dropping soon. Sooner than you think, depending <laughs> on uh, when this episode might be out. But uh, it's called Power and Control. Uh, it's five songs. I guess I'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, I'll let the, the music speak for itself. Have you been playing some that. of the
3: songs live?
2: Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's pretty much been, uh, those five songs in order has been like a staple of our set. Um, probably for like the last year. Like when we went on tour with uh, Noise and World Peace back in November, we, we, we played all those songs. Because mm-hmm. uh, we had actually just tracked it right before we went on the road. So, yeah, you've been sitting on this for a while. Just yeah. Looking
3: for a good date. Uh, oh, yeah. Stuff, uh, know, yeah.
2: Like- there was a couple, uh, you know, wrenches uh, being thrown mm-hmm. in the cog of, uh, you know, this member stuff and then that relaying back to the label. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll be putting it out um, with uh, Street Fight Records on CD. Nice. And then um, ho- hopefully. Uh, I, I, we were talking to John uh, from Syruphead about doing doing a tape. So
0: yeah, I just got a shipment from John today. With, uh, <laughs> awesome yeah. Tapes. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah man. Great guy, Between John from Syruphead and Adam Rotella, man, I have enough cassette tapes to like. If you could eat cassette tapes, I'd be good after the apocalypse. <laughs> it like, yeah, man. Well, that's exciting though. Like, I've been sitting on this stuff for a while. Yeah, I, I'm out, really like,
2: excited to get it out.
0: Hell yeah! yeah awesome. What uh, what about Hagency man?
2: Uh, we're, uh, working on a full length right now. Uh, so we kind of have, it's somewhere between, like, uh, you know, 10 and 12, like, songs kind of pre-pro demoed, and, uh, we're just kind of chipping away at that, like, writing them, uh, practicing them, rewriting them, and then, uh, yeah, eventually we'll, Put a, like cut the weakest songs and put them all together. Put it out. Pro- I I would assume 2020. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I, I think that, that that's a, a fair time frame
0: for that. You got to know the year basically. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you mentioned you're playing now in Bowel Erosion and Calcified.
2: And with Hadrenzi we're playing uh, with Afterbirth on uh, August 18th at Rams, <laughs> and then uh, we're playing with Immolation and Blood Incantation September 21st at
0: Kingsland in Brooklyn. So sick, there right sick. On, yeah, man. looking forward to that Afterbirth show. That's gonna be a lot of fun, man. Yeah. And Bowel Erosion and Calcified. Speaking of, because uh, because those are both bands with Ranger, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's the guy that booked that Afterbirth Haptic Show coming up in August. So could you tell me a little bit about those two bands that you're in now? Yeah. So um, Calcified was a different
2: band. It became Bowel Erosion, and then I started jamming with Ranger. And then we made a new band called Calcified. And then through that, I also ended up becoming the drummer of
0: Valorosa. <laughs> See, when you play drums, you got to watch out. They'll snag you for every project, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah.
3: Watch them, man. Lots of promises.
0: Yep. yep. Write them down. <laughs> and um, and as if you're not busy enough, being uh, you know the local in-demand drummer that you are, um, you're also pursuing a career in professional wrestling. Yes, sir. Yes, I am. You want to talk a little bit about, um, well, I guess what are you, you're working with a specific federation now? Yeah, I, I'm training with uh, FTW, that's
2: Fight the World Wrestling. We have a wrestling school based out of Bohemia, which is uh, in Suffolk County. If you've been to Shakers Pub, it's about 5-10 uh, minutes north of that. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I train there uh, at least twice a week, just getting my reps in.
0: Mm-hmm. Taking bumps.
2: Yeah, taking bumps, filling up my bump card. <laughs>
0: getting into this because i know i know a lot of people over the years who've kind of talked about this they want to do it they get funny in the mosh pit and they think they're going to be a professional wrestler (laughs) um but you have kind of like pursued this to the point where you're now you you know you've been you've been through the, the ropes a little bit you've learned a little bit and you're out there doing it What are some of the steps that people might not realize that you have to take uh, and some of like the training that people like? It's not all just fun and games and learning like, uh, you know, jumps and slams.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely got to have good cardio. And uh, that's uh, I I wouldn't say I learned it the hard way, but uh, for even though it might look that way, my cardio wasn't the best when I was, uh, you know, first getting into it. So uh, I I worked on that. And then uh, you you just got to work out, uh, watch wrestling understand what wrestling is, and uh... The, I don't know, just work hard. Just get your reps in.
1: Yeah. Okay. Psychology is a, is a very understated part of it. Yeah, for sure. How does uh, your experience in playing in bands, where well, there might be 12 people or a thousand people in the audience or whatever, how does that kind of translate over into pro wrestling or your training? Or has it helped like, with uh, crowd control or anything like that?
2: Uh, well, I always just go in with the the mentality of like, give you know, give it your all every time so it's like you know, when you're on the road, you, you might be in a city you've never been to before. you didn't know the guy that set up the show. you play, it wasn't well promoted but you know if, if there were if four people paid to get into the door, that's people that paid money out of their pockets that they've worked for to see you. so you owe it to those people to give them the best performance that you possibly can. And uh, I, I think that goes the same for uh, wrestling for sure.
0: Right yeah, on. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, being uh, fairly new to this and trying to come up in the ranks, have, have you experienced any kind of like hazing or hardening or um, like like just kind of like, like you know, rejection from older people or more experienced people in the field? Harmless ribs or what? Uh, not yet,
2: at least. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, uh, everyone I've dealt with so far has been uh, super helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and coming into it now in 2019 um, I mean obviously I can't ask you what's changed since the old days but you're like a student of wrestling you've watched it all your life you you watch it a lot um, you know now just to learn from it like, what is something that maybe like, like, what's an outdated uh, idea about professional wrestling that people have? And like, 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 what going into you know, going into a kind of surprised you? Like, oh, it's like this nowadays. Maybe the promotion of it or, or something like well, that. Well,
2: actually, it, it goes back to the hazing thing you mentioned. I think uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago, that definitely would have been more prevalent. But I, I think nowadays, uh, it's a lot more accepting and like, um, yeah, I, I guess. Like the, like, the old school mindset is like, everyone kind of has to be like a strong man kind of thing. And uh, now it's really just, if you can, like, if you have something unique to present and it gets over, uh, people just accept that.
3: Right. It's all you need. You yeah. Need, you don't need to be John Cena. You right. You can go in there. Look, I mean, like, look at Hornswoggle.
2: Yeah, right, Hornswoggle, you know? uh, Orange Cassidy <laughs> is another great that, example yeah. of that. Uh, the, he, he walked into the ring... Wearing sunglasses with his hands in his pockets, and he—one
1: of the most over dudes right now.
2: Yeah, like he'll he'll go up to a guy and like just kick him like that, like like really light, like he. But like the crowd loves him when he's out there, you yeah, know. Like hit, he'll fall asleep in the middle of a match, and then when he wakes up, the the crowd pops louder than like. Any, like, Canadian destroyer or, <laughs> crazy or, you know, or just
0: the same as, like, a, you know, a 450 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like there's a similar phenomenon sometimes in metal uh, or in music in general where you just don't understand it, but somebody has that X factor and they're better over that beat or fronting that band or with that instrument in their hand than someone else is, and you can't really explain why. They just are. You know? that, that I think that happens. It's know. gimmicks. Yeah. yeah. It's any kind of entertainment, you know what I mean? So, well... We just wanted to catch up with you a little bit um, and pick your brain about that, and maybe you could relate some more of your experiences as we go into uh, not our most metal, not our countdown of metal, but our first edition of Metal Adjacent Wrestlers. I love that language. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was letting that soak in for a little bit. That is beautiful. All right, man. Well, Justin, once it's all sponged in, <laughs> I'm going to hand, hand over the reins to you. What we're going to do tonight Running we're, around.
1: we're going to build up. We're putting people over today. Putting people over. We ourselves are doing the job for the benefit of these professional wrestlers who are, as you so eloquently said, metal adjacent.
0: Metal adjacent.
1: In no particular order. If we're talking, uh, you know, metal and darkness and and all things evil, as so many of our favorite, you know, recording artists with the riffs kind of do, I think you have to
0: start with the phenom, The Undertaker hmm. Old Faithful. Probably one of the most like synonymous with metal uh, professional wrestlers I know of, like from my generation at least.
1: So, well, yeah. So, from uh, being from a slightly earlier generation than, than I am, you know, The Undertaker debuting in 1990, I mm-hmm. was still sipping bottles. Yeah. Right? Oh, I was. So, <laughs> no, keep,
0: going, keep going, keep going.
1: So, can you tell me about your experience when you saw The Undertaker for the first time? Oh, I was right there. I remember. <laughs>
0: I was eight years old. In 1990, and like I was ripe for the picking for professional wrestling along with my cousin Shatara. Um, we used to watch professional wrestling probably from like I want to say like right around seven or eight because I remember when The Undertaker came out and I was right there on like on the cusp of things. The first professional wrestling, um, like pay per view special, I remember being like really invested in and, and like you know, I, I begged my parents to, to put it on, and one of my friends came over, we watched it. It was the Royal Rumble. Where at the end of it, Hulk Hogan um, fights and beats the like now turned evil Sergeant Slaughter, and then at the at the end of it in the locker room, the, the, the Iron Sheik fireball blast Hulk Hogan. You remember that one? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that got me right in the feels, man. And then shortly thereafter, yeah, the Undertaker come comes along, man. Like I for- I forget the, you know how long along the timeline, but I feel like I was right there, and uh, yeah, he was scary as fuck, man. I remember being a kid and buying into it 100 percent, man. I was like. I was a, a, 100% Mark, man. So like, we, yeah, no, I'm sorry. No, just the way he would stand up on the ropes and like he beat everybody real quick. And the, and then there was the time that he locked Ultimate Warrior in the coffin. Me and my cousin were like, we bought that. We, we were like, oh, sh-. like we were like, I was like trying to tell my mom to call 911, like send them to the stadium. You know, something's going. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it is
1: crazy. Uh, so 1990 uh, uh, Survivor Series, The Undertaker debuts uh, as part of the million dollar team. Ted DiBiase was actually the one who brought him in. Oh, so okay, yeah. like you know, right away he signs that major record deal. Yep, you know, cashing yep. in, getting the money. So you know, once he's torn around like that with the big juicy money, he realizes it isn't creatively fulfilling enough for him. You know, as you would come in Paul Bear. <laughs> now, Paul, Paul Bear. Bear. Paul Bear is the uh, the executive producers of producers, um, really creating or helping. Create with the Undertaker the Dead Man persona that has been so legendary, which allows like even kids today to, you know, just be mystified by by the lights and the the, the bell that rings and the smoke and all the stuff. And uh, for yeah, for me, I mean, it was like uh, being being a young child, uh, you know, watching Saturday Morning Superstars and everything like that. Uh, the Undertaker being a dead guy, you know, that you like, he's pretty much a zombie. You know, he's yeah. from Death Valley. You know, all this stuff. Uh,
0: oh I believed it all. It, it, like, yeah. it, it
1: wasn't supposed to be kid friendly. Yeah. But we were all cheering for him and he yeah. was a good guy. Um I remember sitting on the beach uh going through a, a pack of cards, pack of wrestling cards with my mom, and I was like, you know, why why do I like the Undertaker? He's such a bad guy. And she's <laughs> like, Well Justin, you're supposed to. Because he beats up all the other bad guys. <laughs> like,
0: Thankfully. Yeah, he's you know, he's like uh He's like, he's like Iron Maiden, you know what I mean? Like they're they're sick and they're kind of evil and dark, but they're like better than all the other metal bands. And they affirm your life. And, and even to this day, <laughs> as recently
2: as uh, yesterday, you know he wrestled on uh, WWE's Extreme Rules pay per view, yep. tagging with Roman Reigns. Still, like that that entrance. It's it, everything. Yeah, it, everyone in the in the arena is dead silent, waiting, waiting <laughs> for the for the phenom, big uh, big Texas Red to to ride out.
1: Absolutely. Man. And you take know, some souls. It's, I guess it speaks to the, uh, you know, to death, how it's always there, right? It's and something wow. we all
0: have in common. Yeah. We're all going to die. Now you guys are talking my language. Because now... It's the wrestling of death. You're relating this to the metal of death. Oh, no. boy. Oh, boy. Pump the brakes. I'm sorry. I'll contribute something. So his theme song,
3: mm-hmm. it's a Jim Johnson composition. Okay. But it's not really. It's Chopin's Funeral March. Including the the bell at the top of it, it's on the sheet music.
0: Jim Johnson did a creative take on it. Speaking of wrestling themes and wrestling music, Tom, mm-hmm. I feel like now we got it full disclosure. Yeah, C- can we relate to the listeners some of your experience in that in that field? Yeah, I used to be a CFO's dollar money sign. That was uh, my job. So, um, yeah,
3: you can check out. Uh, you can go to ASCAP and search my name, and you can find all the pieces that I've worked on. But, uh, okay, without getting into that even more, um, I'm not going to be saying much because I
0: have an NDA with WWE. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So we have someone at the table who already has Instagram <laughs> watching out for them, man. That's wild. Uh, I mean, honestly, my
3: experience allegedly. working there was cool. I don't really have much, m- much to say negative, but I'd rather just hang
0: out and you know talk guy, shop and theater. Guy is sweating, bro. I don't know what is going on right now. We yeah. got to figure out what happened behind the scenes over there in Connecticut, Some man. Shout out to
1: all the lawyers out there.
0: Alleged, allegedly, Shh. allegedly. <laughs> all right, yeah. I got, I got you, Tom. Let's we'll talk Thanks after you. the podcast. Keep your teeth closed yeah. Allegedly, all right. <laughs> no jokes were ever made yeah. tonight. Yeah. Um. Tom used to work at Seven Eleven. I don't know what that yeah. was all about. Uh, Undertaker, metal is fun. Yeah, I feel like we... I was going to give, like, a little, like, affirming how metal they are, but, like, The Undertaker writes itself. You know what I mean? Come on. So, uh, Kane started off. <whistles> uh, wow. Kane. See, Kane, I remember, but um, I didn't follow his saga as much as The Undertaker, because by that, by that point, I was becoming gradually more invested in heavy metal. Yeah. Um... Talk about Kane. Man.
1: Well, sure. It's interesting that you say that from The Undertaker, because their, their sagas are so intertwined. Yeah. So, yeah. Kane, the brother of The Undertaker, Kayfabe, um, is an, another giant hulking man uh, who, who was one of the only people at the time to stand toe-to-toe with The Undertaker, mm-hmm. eye-to-eye with him, and look at him. Debuts uh, King of the Ring, 1998, um, after the infamous, infamous Undertaker-Mankind-Hell-in-A-Cell match. Um comes in as strong as you want anybody to, to, to come in. Ripping the door off of a huh. steel cage. Fucking shit up. Shoots fire out of his hands, out of the posts. Filled the same sort of magic as the Undertaker, as, as, you know, coming from the same sort of birth parents. Um, as the story goes, uh, the Undertaker's uh, parents were killed in a fire, Ooh. and uh, so was the alleged baby Kane, who was in there and the Undertaker did nothing about it. Nothing to help him. Nothing to stop it. So Kane comes back all these years later, um, being introduced by Paul Bearer, reminding the Undertaker that he has a brother that he forgot about, who left for dead. Mm. Kane comes in, and he wants he wants revenge. Yeah, he wants a piece of that ass in the worst way. Mm. So you know with the same sort of like magical, mystical fire and brimstone as Jim Ross so eloquently put. Uh, very very uh, few things more metal than the Big Red Machine Kane. Hmm. So. I mean,
3: <laughs> may I? Yes. Uh, the story you just described, yeah, you can take that as metal, but you can also take that as, like, soap opera. And I'm not going to bring up that term again, because I know that the unlearned of the wrestling world will say, oh, it's just guys' soap opera. You know, which is but us true. wrestling fans are sensitive towards that term yes yeah, so, <laughs> and that's why I'm not gonna bring it up again but this is the exception it's just
0: this this family drama unwinding well essentially well it, let let me pose this question to you two guys then because I because I you know as I said like Kane was a little bit like like towards my time of like weaning off of pro wrestling how is Kane uh, deserving to be included uh, in this show and I'm not I'm not contesting this I'm asking you, uh, as, as as his own like metal adjacent wrestler and not just like a, an attachment to the undertaker saga that they kind of were trying to keep the keep the money trail going.
2: I, I would say he's committed some of the most heinous barbaric acts in the world of professional wrestling.
0: Talk about it.
2: Uh, well, he electrocuted Shane McMahon's testicles with a bar, uh...
0: Bat- a a car, car battery. battery. Yeah. Okay. ball torture. Yes. Yeah, yeah. torture. Yeah, okay. Now we're getting metal. All right. he, has, uh, yes. he has
1: set Jim Ross on fire. Now in, we're talking. In the man. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah.
0: This is, yeah, this is what we're looking for. Okay. He has
1: also set the Undertaker on fire while he was in a casket. Okay. A couple of times. He has used magic in the middle of the ring mm-hmm. to shoot lightning bolts at various stage props. The, the Titan Tron. The WWF flag, the announcers table uh-huh. that explode into flames. Yeah, that's
0: a, a cool bit. Right. Okay, so whereas like the Undertaker is more zombie like, Kane is more like just like a demon or a like a witchcraft. Yeah,
2: he's a pyromancer. type of. Yeah, yeah pyromancer.
0: Kane
1: is a he's don't take the... I won't say. He is a fiery version of Michael Myers. Hmm. Mm. He just like keeps him. going and going and going. And when you know when he had the mask on. You couldn't you couldn't even hurt him. Couldn't touch him. He buried his Paul Bear, his his best was it his father at the time. I believe that yeah, it his came father. out there, Paul Bear. Yeah. Paul Bear had Ooh. did it did the dirty with, with the Undertaker's mother. Ooh, boy, that's dark. This oh. came later. This came later Ooh. on. The only other fiery <laughs> yeah. or orphan I can think of that is a little orphan Annie. Sure. She would never bury
3: Daddy Warbucks.
1: This is why Annie's not on our medal list today. He buried his newly crowned father Paul Bear in a case of concrete watch it happen press the button eye to eye
0: okay metal shit yeah so Kane extremely metal yes. um moving on we got a lot to get through <clears throat> oh, it's time it's time it's
1: Vader time. Time, time, time time so Big Van Vader born Compton straight out of Compton straight out of Compton straight grew out of Compton. up on on the mean streets 1955 Vader came out 450 pounds Out of his mother In Compton
0: Now now we're talking Jesus What a sentence (laughs) Um,
1: uh, One of If not the best Super heavyweights Professional wrestling Has ever seen A man of his size With that agility Able to Moonsault Off of the top rope Unheard of A a complete spectacle Amazing This man was uh, Drafted uh, By the St. Louis Rams uh, As a center uh, Played pro football until he hurt his knee Not very metal But the other part Very metal
0: mm-hmm.
1: He was Frankie's dad In Boy Meets World And it's super metal If you're a good father Wow Wow Appeared right. in a bunch yeah. of episodes Also in a 1996 episode Of Baywatch Okay We're On the beach Yeah Saved the lives Let's talk about the Macedon
2: that that giant smoking helmet he wore to the ring.
1: Uh, that's, uh, oh, so Big Van
0: Vader. Yeah, because, Japan. because all, all these facts, though relevant, not supporting metal.
1: Well, sit back right in your chair right there, Will. Okay. And let me finish painting this picture for you. Okay. It was 1977. Okay. So, uh, Vader had, a, had an amazing run in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling from 87 to 92. Uh, three-time IWGP heavyweight champion. Uh, if you don't know what that is... Find out what that is, and you see where your medal lies. Uh, Beat down Antonio Inoki so bad in Ryogoku Sumo Hall that the fans rioted, and the sumo hall banned New Japan for uh, for a
0: few years after that. Wow! Can't run shows here because he beat him down. Now we're talking. We're talking (laughs) riots. Bigger in Japan and more appreciated in Japan than the United States, much like heavy metal music.
1: In a brutal match with Stan Hansen in Japan in February 1990, uh, where Stan Hansen swinging his bull rope around with his terrible eyesight, broke Vader's nose with the rope before mm. Vader even even entered the ring. After they're, they're duking out a bunch of stiff shots back and forth, Stan Hansen gets his dirty thumb in Vader's eye and pulls his eyeball out. Do we have video of that? Pull video up. I'm on a roll right now. Okay. So, uh, you got to think that Hanson's super jealous of somebody with really good eyesight, right? That's a little bigger than him. Yeah, steal mean. his eye. He's trying to take <laughs> his eye. Yeah. Um. Vader, right out of his skull. Vader in the corner of the ring, with the palm of his hand, pops that eyeball right back in the giant face of his and finishes the match. Okay. The Match goes to a no contest, but you, you know who fucking won that? Man. Bing bong. Yeah. The metal shit that Vader did.
0: Yeah. That's metal. That's metal. Okay.
1: You got. His WCW feud with Cactus Jack, one of the most brutal, hard-hitting feuds that that there was in WCW at the time. Uh, they had a match that was so violent. Actually, on Cactus, you know, they they kind of didn't like Cactus Jack uh, uh, on another WCW pay-per-view after after one of the matches. Really, it's him taking all the bumps. So, um, in WCW. He's managed by Harley Race. Harley Race only picks out the most metal people to to endorse. Takes on Sting. Pretty metal. They have a great feud. Hits Sting with a Vader bomb in one of their matches. Breaks his ribs. Ruptures his spleen. Can't handle the mass of the master. Keeps going. Anything, yeah. You know, Chiming on Vader. <laughs> uh, yeah, he sounds like a walking cranium song. Um yeah. <laughs>
0: You have signed on to enter Papa Shango's world. And that world is a very dark world.
1: Next up, most metal adjacent for this point in time right now. We're going to have to go with Papa Shango.
0: I was scared of him when I was a kid. Terrified. Yeah.
1: The undisputed pro wrestling master of voodoo and the black ooze. Yeah. Came to the ring carrying a smoking skull. Wearing a necklace of bones, and you gotta assume that all of those are from human origin. What are they called? Shadow matches,
0: right? I don't know. Bump, yeah. Oh, well, dark, dark matches. matches? Dark matches. Dark. Yeah. Dark, yeah. The, the, yeah, the bones from the dark matches. Bones from the yeah, jobbers. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. all around his neck. Yeah, jobbers.
1: Uh, made his debut February 92. Uh, but the big splash happened uh, that WrestleMania, April fifth, WrestleMania eight, where he interfered in the WWF title match between Sid Vicious and Hulk Hogan. Uh, he was a little late on the to the run in on the spot because he's uh, doing that dark voodoo backstage. You know, huh. couldn't interrupt him at the time. Pretty metal. Uh, while he's out there putting the boots to Hogan, Ultimate Warrior makes the save, uh, but it really wouldn't save him from the wrath of Papa Shango going forward. Uh, later that year. War, Warrior just gets some of that heavy duty voodoo duty, I wanna say. Uh, Papa Shango had his sights set on him, trying to capture his soul, his essence, his power, puts the curse on him. Warrior falls to the ground during an interview with me and Jean, convulsing, stomach hurts, yeah. black ooze everywhere. Papa Shango's just laughing in the background. He know he know he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's got it on. Now, unfortunately, that feud never came to the to the head that it was supposed to. Because uh, Ultimate Warrior he might allegedly have gotten fired for uh, steroid usage. Uh, allegedly. W- allegedly, later yeah. that year. But now, we know what the real story it is. It was vo- Voodoo. It was Papa Shango put that voodoo on him. He put voodoo on the drug yeah. test. Sent him out there. That's
0: I, had, You know, I had a similar thing happen to me on a drug test allegedly years ago. I, I stand by that, that it was voodoo. But, um, yeah, Papa Shango, man, really scared me as a kid. That and that, that Ultimate Warrior. Be- Ultimate Warrior when he was in a coffin. Ultimate Warrior when he was getting the shakes from the black goo man it was really nasty shit man um this guy he was all... i forget the guy's name but he was also uh what was it he was the, the pimp. Godfather. godfather the godfather mm-hmm. right yeah so he's like uh i mean that's pretty that's that's kind of like almost like slam if you think about it cuz he's like all <laughs> evil and scary and everything and then in the background he's really just a pimp <laughs> you know what i mean he's like pimping you know so Justin,
3: you brought in the slideshow. We see this picture of him right now. Yeah, and he kind of
0: looks like the
3: uh, the first photo shoot that Dimmu Borgir did. That's for sure. Yeah, like The top hat. Yeah, the yeah. top
0: <laughs> hat. Yeah. That, yeah, well, he he started top hats and black metal, if you think about it, man. Definitely, yeah.
1: And he's got that mop in his right hand just to clean it all up.
0: Sam, do, you, or do any of you guys know there was like a voodoo-themed death metal band out of New York City? I got to look them up. Um, damn it. You, you ever heard of that? I can't recall anything. Okay, man, it was something. Yeah, I gotta look that. All right, never mind, never mind. Tangent.
1: Yeah, I think all in all, Papa Shango. You know, he only had a couple of year career. I say, he's the sickest demo. Hmm. Never released the full length.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, like that Shango yeah. demo. Okay, yeah. I, I see the I see the connection, man.
2: Probably the most black metal of uh, the the list we got here. I so, would say. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: Pretty much the Misfits skull on his face too. Cactus Jack. All right. Now
1: Long we're Long Island Hardcore. Yes, sir. Where do you fucking start? Well, I'll tell you. I'm
0: start, start on right Long here. Island. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, wrestled various independent companies from the mid-80s to uh, to about 91. Made his debut in WCW in 1991, Attacking Sting. Mm -hmm. It's a very popular thing to do. It's that first venue you play. You know, it's that
0: local venue. Attacking
2: Sting. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Uh (laughs) It's the first demo everybody puts out. I remember when Artificial Brain attacked Sting. He he never saw it coming, (laughs) allegedly. Well,
2: that's why Sting went dark on everybody, because he was tired of uh, being pushed around by all all the guys that were coming onto the scene. Sting was like, I'm going to put on some corpse paint and uh, carry around a baseball bat.
1: (laughs) So Cactus Jack played a, a... a villainous heel in in the early 90s uh, in WCW uh, with his patented running elbow off the apron onto the bare concrete floor. <laughs> you land with that mass on the concrete and you get up and you do double guns, bang bang at the crowd. That's a great riff right there. That's a fucking slamming riff. Yeah, um,
0: mm-hmm. that's like uh, yeah, that, that's like guys that jump off stage and hurt themselves and keep going back every night. Man, it's it's like punk rock, man. It's amazing. Like-
1: Uh, I'm going to flash forward to March of 1994 Uh, Cactus Jack's in the middle of a feud with Vader none other just talked about
0: it's a split CD they're
1: wrestling in Munich, Germany yes Uh, for whatever reason backing up you know a little behind the stage uh, ring crew made the ropes a little bit tighter that night Cactus Jack liked to do this spot where he gets shot into the ropes catches his head in it you know hurts looks crazy so he does it on this particular night. Ropes are a little bit tighter. He can't get himself out. He's struggling and struggling. Can't get himself out. Finally slips his head out from under the ropes and gets back in the ring. Umby notes to him, until he puts his hand up, his ears dangling. Oof. Blood coming right down. Vader doesn't know. <laughs> Vader's got his eye poked out by Stan Hansen. He doesn't know. Vader that. thinks it's normal. Just, <laughs> his retina is all strained. Uh, Veda goes, bring Cactus Jack in for, for a nice little punch, grabs him by the ear, rips it off. Ooh, Ear falls to the floor. <laughs> 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 uh, yes. referee picks the ear up, gives it to the announcer. announcer puts it on a bag of ice. They finish the match. Gore Cac- grind. There you go.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's like Exhumed or something. It's very like gore metal because the barbed wire. That's crazy.
1: Man, after that, uh, Cactus left WCW, had an amazing run in ECW. Uh, I'm going to say that I I enjoyed his promos a lot more than his matches in ECW. That's just great songwriting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a master lyricist. After his time at ECW, um, he's just mad because ECW is this extreme kind of area and they're not giving Cactus Jack the respect, the hardcore icon that he is. So he leaves ECW to restake his claim. Goes to Japan, 1995, the IWA Japan Tournament of Death. Kawasaki Dream. He wrestled Terry Funk in the
2: final. He also had a great match with... uh... Bam Bam Terry Gordy in the the first round. Love that match. That tournament had a lot to do with putting deathmatch wrestling on the map, especially uh, here in the States, having two American guys headline this deathmatch tournament in Japan.
1: With Cactus and Terry Funk.
2: Terry Funk, yeah. Another hardcore icon.
1: So that was
2: almost like a passing of the torch moment.
1: For sure. Between the two. Terry Funk in in the 80s in Memphis, just bloodbaths. Yeah. Absolute bloodbaths. they, They met in Japan. Uh, the final was a uh, barbed wire rope, barbed wire, and C4-mounted board <laughs> time bomb death match. Wow. So there was a time limit to the match. At the end of the time limit, the ring exploded uh, in, be- in, in between the, the start bell. And when that happened, they're throwing each other on boards wrapped in barbed wire with little C4s on it exploding. Man, Cactus smelled his own burning flesh on the plane ride home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Cactus wow.
0: Jack. Uh, yeah, very proud uh, to be from Long Island, uh, knowing that he's from Long Island. Wow. I feel like um, he's, uh, you know, we could talk about Mankind a little bit. I mean, Dude Love was whatever. You know, that was that was the, 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 the thing, <coughs> you know, the, the pothead thing or whatever. But, like, man, Mankind was kind of like, I think, I feel like a toned down, like, image that might have, was that his idea, you think? Or? I, I feel like it was a
2: collab between him and Vince, maybe. Because yeah. I, I think they wanted a character that can kind of fit in with the whole Undertaker, Kane. Goldust at yeah, the time. Yeah, too. yeah, gold dust too. yeah.
1: Goldust, um, yeah, too. But he made he made mankind way more cerebral than I feel Cactus was. I feel like Cactus, feel like Cactus yeah. was out and out brutality. Yes. With, yeah. like, you know, the, the, the Mick Foley wit to it. And mankind was just mind games and boiler rooms and. Internal bleeding versus uh, defeated sanity. Yeah, Cactus Jack is slamming. Yeah, heavy, heavy riffs. Man, Raven is like we're like we're getting into grunge right now, you know. So Raven is just he is so grungy. He's just like you know you you stand by him long enough, you start to get itchy, you know, because your clothes aren't washed. You got holes everywhere. The flannel is so dirty around your waist, like you have
0: those like, sort of bug bites on your legs, Raven, He can't undo that knot of the flannel around his waist. Like <laughs> he, he, It'll he, stay on the whole match. There's still like a, a rag of it left around his waist tied to this day. <laughs> he, he had a cool, but if you know, like he always had like cool t-shirts. He had like like Death the Comic Book t-shirts a lot and things like he that. He always was...
2: had a Nevermore shirt. I, I, yeah, that, that's yeah. one that stuck out to me.
1: Right
0: I really just, I mean, you want to talk about the right um, look and the right gimmick at the right time. Uh, right there for that grunge thing in the 90s. Metal, you know, they, there's like, that's a whole other podcast talking about like the, the grunge took out metal, you know, idea or whatever. But I, I mean, I, I, I never really subscribed to that. I think grunge was just like, it's like Ronnie from Malignancy said, grunge when it first started was kind of like a shoot off of metal in a way, you know, in hard rock. And the thing is, if you look at Raven, like Raven is one of the guys I know a little bit more about, because um, uh, I definitely watched ECW, uh, especially towards the beginning. But he, I remember when he was Johnny Polo, yeah, man,
1: managing and, uh, Adam Baum.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he was like, he was the, he was like a preppy, you yep. know what I mean? He was like the rich kid. He actually ended up working for Vince McMahon up at the WWE, or, or I guess back then it was it was still WWF, whatever mm-hmm. it was, offices. He yep. got like a production job, making a lot of money, supposedly. Uh, lost the job for uh, having lots of relationships with the women that worked in the offices. Me, now. And uh, corrupting Shane McMahon, a young Shane McMahon, like all night partying or whatever.
1: Wow. So did he kind of transition from this 80s glam party metal into this sort of grunge? Well, I mean,
0: if you think about it, he went right from that, like, you know, going out, allegedly, uh, you know, doing drugs and corrupting the young and banging girls like glam metal was all about, and then he goes right into uh this like this well not right into but he eventually ended up with this raven gimmick uh and he's like grunge you know what i mean and if you think about it too like we talked a little bit about the ECW yeah. uh when he went there um his his like his like main foes were sandman right kind of like the blue collar hero budweiser mm-hmm. guy and um tommy dreamer kind of like right. more like your uh, your jock uh, you know, like Long Island Italian type of guy, New York Italian guy. Those are like the two natural enemies of the high school grunge metalhead in the '90s. Wow. Ex- yeah, exactly. But, you know, so I mean, it was just so much to relate to for young professional wrestling fans for Raven in those days. You know, it was over the top. The comic books, the heavy metal T-shirts, the even the setup. You know, I mean, it was all there, man. He's just sitting
1: in the corner, you know, and, uh, and you know, sitting down in the bottom rope, just brooding. Yeah, him. yeah. He Liding, was edgy. I, I, I
2: even adopted that in in my entrance when I get in the ring. I always sit down because a raven. And I, yeah. as a as a lad, I definitely. Uh I definitely related to him. I, I even based my uh, backyard wrestling persona entirely off of Raven. Amazing. It was, it was called Spider. I just thought of a, another, <laughs> another uh,
1: dark animal.
0: Another dark creature that yeah. might be in your backyard, man. Yeah.
1: I love that so much. definitely the first time I tied a flannel around my waist, I was uh, quoting the Raven first time I did that I think it was because of Hey Arnold so and I'm way <laughs> off <the> track
0: here
1: <laughs> so, so you mentioned like Raven's feud with Tommy Dreamer which I think is is exactly like you said like a way more of a high school outcast versus jock sort of feud you know yeah. like in terms of uh, metal adjacent I think that's about as far as it goes you know yeah. there's caveats here and there and and, and kind of uh, spikes
0: it was like in, me and, me and Lou Gianni in high school, man. Kid <laughs> lived on the other side of my block, man. I love you, Lou. It's all good now, buddy. It's all good now, man. It's all good now. But in high school, it was a thing.
1: So, yeah, definitely spikes of brutality in, in yeah. that feud. But I think you know if we go to the most metal moment of why Raven deserves to be on this list was uh, an incident that happened with his feud with Sandman. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, so Raven, with all of his, his wit, uh, he brainwashes Sandman's ex-wife and son. To to join the Ravens Nest at that time, which later became the
0: flock.
3: Sandwoman and (laughs) Sandboy
0: doesn't just steal your girl, steals steals your your son. son. That's crazy. (laughs) That's dark.
2: Mister, steal your son.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's one thing to have someone's girl calling you daddy, but it's another level if somebody's son is calling you daddy. And Raven, I mean, Sandman felt the full. It sobered him up real quick. Let's just say, yeah, Yeah, sobered him up. He was Sandcock after.
0: I mean, look. You know, maybe it's time to put the Budweisers down and raise your kid. He's hanging out with a guy named Raven. You know, like <laughs> it's not necessarily. You know, come on, man. Guy, guy needs to concentrate.
1: So, in October of 1996, uh, this feud came to, to you know, one of its boiling points, where uh, where Raven with with the Nest beats down Sandman and and. Uh, Crucifies him outside of the ECW ring on a on a a, a cross, assume a, a, a makeshift crucifix, yeah, if a, you will. Yeah. Exactly, a, a barbed wire uh, two by fours, uh, and and sets him up right side of the ring and just dons a crown of, of barbed wire oh, on right Sandman's right. head. He's on there lifeless, and the imagery is, is striking. It's brutal.
0: So he's gone from grunge to decide real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Now, have you ever wondered, what if that night a young Kurt Angle, fresh from the Olympics, just getting his feet wet in professional wrestling, was in the building? What would have happened, right? A good Christian boy like Kurt Angle? Yeah. I wonder,
2: what would have happened? He, he was there, right? He was turned away from the entire ECW organization. He was like, I'm, I'm going straight to Vince McMahon. I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, it almost reminds me of, like, who was it? Like, wasn't it Marduk that like burned the pig's head, put the pig's heads up on the stakes in Poland? Oh, yeah. Then... <laughs> they got in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> that was, yeah, it was a party foul. Don't do yeah. that in Poland. Yeah, Raven, metal. Yeah, on the list. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: what a rush. Next uh, up, uh, let's talk a little bit about Hawk and Animal,
0: mm. the Road Warriors, mm. the Legion of Doom. Yes, yes. We had to put them on the list. You know what was coming, man. Uh, so metal. So inspired by. Um, uh, Mad Max. Uh, yep. I think particularly the second one they said, man, with the, with the look, man. But those guys were like real-life tough guys, weren't they?
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. Just giant specimen of men. Uh, athleticism, power, speed. Uh, just, and, you know, they uh, they use their time wisely. Let's just say, you know. Uh, they, <laughs>
2: they don't get paid by the hour. That's, in that's and the out, way right? to put it. Yeah, in and out. Yep. Uh, uh, you
3: I, I mean... I'm just looking I'm looking at him now. I don't know which one is the hawk and which one's the animal, but the animal definitely skipped uh, on his making his
2: nickname. Because it's like because a hawk is also an animal. An animal yes, I, I I've thought about this. I don't think I've ever expressed it in words up until now, but uh, I'm I'm with yeah. you on that.
0: As a kid, I thought about that myself too. Because I was like, he he's animal. He's just this nondescript animal. But you're very specifically. You're not even bird. You're a hawk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how'd that meeting go? Like yeah. we're gonna
3: choose names, and I'm gonna be the hawk. Yeah. Or just hawk. Excuse me. <laughs> I'll be hawk. He goes. Well, I'll be animal. Like, well, the <laughs> idea is to you pick a name that's animal-ish. I mean, animal. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I want What's a more box? animal-ish yeah. than animal? Oh, all right, all right,
0: brother. I like that animal. Okay, I'm the hawk then. Okay. I mean, unless it's like honestly, that it, that means more to me. Like it, it probably was just like their street names from like the bars. Like they were, yeah. Like, like, like they they showed up. They were like, "So what's your wrestling name going to be?" He was like, "No, nah, my my name is fucking Hawk." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what they fucking call me. You know.
1: When uh when the Legion of Doom uh came into a packed stadium on their motorcycles with that theme song playing, just like dun, 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 dun. Yeah, not Rocky, but it was something different, something yeah. a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody out of their seats, complete electricity. Uh, you had a packed stadium playing your favorite riffs and, you, yeah. and you're out there like Halford on a, on a motorcycle
0: just oh, yeah. killing it they, yeah. they really got a pop from the fans man people love them They're, they, were they from Detroit? Detroit the highest concentration of people named Animal <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Chicago yeah from Chicago
1: so yeah if there's uh, if, you know, if you guys have any complaints about why the Legion of Doom is on the list most metal adjacent Check out some entrances. Watch some squash matches. Don't get stabbed by the spikes. I couldn't say these guys aren't metal. You can't. They showed up. They beat ass and they left. They, yeah.
2: they, they, they didn't uh, try to, you know, work you into an arm wringer and uh, head scissors from there. They just, uh, they just clobbered you.
0: Yeah,
1: kicked your ass. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, an album packed with thirty-second songs
0: something yeah. yeah wow that's a grindcore kind yeah. of like analogy because they come in quick and they get the job done the match is a rap you know what i mean like it's like a grindcore song you know it's to the point uh, something i was thinking about is a band that's not going to be uh, spoken about tonight outside of i guess this little uh tangent but um demolition i always enjoyed that De- demolition and the demolition story with the th- the two of them the three of them what's going on but um i if i'm not mistaken i think they were kind of brought in with that gimmick to kind of feed off of Legion of Doom and to battle Legion of Doom, right? So, and they, they kind of had like the, the the more like black metal, black leather, and spikes and studs look. So it's kind of like it's almost how black metal spawns off of death metal. Yeah, this you know, is that's I mean, a good point. Uh, yeah,
1: an alleged story of a uh, you know maybe possibly Vince McMahon not knowing if he could uh, sign the Legion of Doom uh, in WWF. Well, just make another one, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Put pain on these other big guys, dude. Oh, yeah, I wonder if they use the
3: same paint as, like, Thomas Gabriel or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, well, if you want to talk about Celtic Frost, Sam, I know you mentioned sarcophago before. I feel like there's a crossover with the early 80s, early 90s black metal bands and the look and, like, you know, LOD and some of the, you know, some oh, of the yeah. other older wrestlers. You know yeah, they like,
2: these homemade uh, spiked shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah. Crazy
0: awesome. hair and face paint. It's a great look kind of like uh you could tell that they're just kind of like they have their own ideas about it like it's not informed by uh like nowadays a lot of black you know you see black metal bands you see one It's informed paint. by the the one that yeah. came before but uh yeah, yeah
2: sarcophagus was you know
0: blazing a new trail dude they got zebra, zebra print spandex pants well
1: on fun there. fun fact actually road warrior animal Started the company Zubaz. Oh my god! And Zubaz it are those zebra pants that you see that so many pro wrestlers wearing. And he started the started the company. Oh
0: my goodness! Yep. Wait, that changes the whole game. Well, there's nothing more metal than slinging merch. I've been trying to find those type of Zubas They're called Zubaz. I've yep. been trying to find those in my size for years. So they they then why yeah. did he
2: not go with the zebra? you know hawk and zebra
0: <laughs> hawk and zebra would have worked both very majestic yeah, but like yeah.
3: menacing if they come for you yeah you know? yeah
0: yeah you don't want a zebra like back kicking you you know <laughs> yeah.
3: well i guess he's just an animal uh, the most identifiable wow. prince you know, can't an categorize it yeah, he's,
2: he's the whole kingdom he's a one-man kingdom
1: nothing else looks like a zebra too you got leopard print that could be
0: cheetah what? Well, you, you know it was zebra. inside of him it's the whole
1: time. Look at his legs. There was inside of him the whole
0: time. I want, I want Dalmatian print Zubas. <laughs> oh man, that would be sick. Yeah.
3: Yo, let's get an endorsement
0: by Zuba Yeah, yeah, like, I'm down. I'll man. wear them shits while we're we, podcasting. We gotta have a here. pants cam. Yeah. <laughs> under the table. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing creepy uh, or weird. It's just, it's just like you know, like well lit shots of our pants.
1: This isn't an, an endorsement, but you know if you're listening. Heavy Podcast at gmail.com If you're not wearing Zubas, you're just you're just wearing pants.
0: Yeah, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they got a fresh website. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on this. <laughs> it's
1: so so. Winter good.
0: clearance right now, up to seventy percent. Oh, these tops though. Oh yeah, I guess because le- they're selling the leggings for for the ladies. That's so like ZWO yeah. ZWO
2: <laughs> Zubaz wow. World Order. They're not even like
1: koi about. So it. this is
3: Animal who started this whole thing.
1: Yep. Wow. So it was pretty incredible. It was it was great because he started this company while he was still wrestling and he was just like, Oh, I'll just get all the boys to wear them, and uh and that's my marketing, you know. So like anybody who saw like backstage pictures of wrestlers or like you know, Lex Luger was wearing Zubaz like cutting promos all the time, that would just be T V time. People were like, What are those cool pants that Buff guy's wearing? Like I want some of those.
3: Yeah, and I've seen like animals out in the wild wearing these pants. Probably not even into wrestling. So it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Well, I guess Municipal Waste does it because like people just wear Municipal Waste shit and never actually listen to the band, <laughs> you know, just because it's a great logo and called Municipal Waste, one that, of the best names ever. It became that, that part of a. Uh,
1: it became part of the uh, the the '80s, you know '90s wrestler uniform. You had your Zubaz pants, yeah. fanny pack, your fanny pack, your Ribiera steak jacket, yeah, and your uh, Halliburton briefcase, and uh, you're good to go.
0: Man, I want a pair of those pants so bad. Okay. That's that's a solid legacy. Um, L.O.D. One more metal adjacent. Okay. Bru- we're going to bring uh, Bruiser Brody to the table. The wild man. This guy is like that classic rock band from before metal that could kick every metal band's ass. That has He's like... Diamond Head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah. Perfect. You're right.
1: Uh, yeah, man. This, uh, he's tearing up. Tearing up Texas. Actually, he he was uh he was tearing up every promotion available at the time because he he didn't like staying in one place you know for too long uh, to where his stock would kind of run low. So this man was on tour constantly in the van. Well, so a true mar- journeyman. That's right of pro wrestling. And you know the the one of the, one of the most uh, iconic like imagery of of Bruce Brody is is coming to the ring in Japan and he's got this chain, this long bike chain and he's swinging it around and he's coming through the crowd. With no regard for these Japanese people's lives, like, at all. And people are running, like, as far away as they can to not get hit by him. And he doesn't care. He's just going, swinging it around. It's a show. A real show. It puts you in danger. Um, yeah, man. Some some of those brutal matches, like, think Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher. And just the bloodbaths.
0: Abdullah, know? another one that we're not going to be able to get to tonight, man. But he's going to be in there, man. Yeah, Abdullah the Butcher, man.
1: Uh, also had
2: a very notable feud and tag team with uh, Stan Hansen. That's right. The fans would definitely uh, move out of the way if he was, uh, you know, walking on that other side of the guardrail, you know, or yeah. even before they had guardrails, it was just a, a rope tied to. Uh,
3: Look at
0: that! He doesn't give guardrails. a fuck. Oh, oh, shit! Yeah, he's swinging that chain like he don't care. A, he's a six, eight,
1: 350 hundred and fifty-pound, very very athletic man. Wow! Big guy. going around. Uh, one, you know, something else that kind of like. Really solidified like his his lore was. Um, he had a match in the early '70s with uh, with Bruno Sammartino at Madison Square Garden for yeah. Vincent J's uh, WWF uh, for, for for their title at the time, and um, nobody had really seen anybody manhandle Bru- uh, Bruno Sammartino, you know, at that time. And Brody was picking him up over his head, giving these terrible backbreakers, and um, kind of put like the wrestling world on notice at that time. But he just a complete, utter maniac in the ring. Very smart, very friendly guy outside of it. Just for the listeners, we're watching a uh, clip, just like a highlight reel of uh, this man move. And uh, wow, six eight, you say? Yeah, S- still a Japanese legend to this day. Um, after his untimely death, they gave him a very honorable kind of sending off. You know, in the ring, the whole ten bell salute. And it was a it was a somber day. But
0: yeah, just just for the listeners, I don't think we really need to expound too much on um, Bruiser Brody's death because uh, it's been covered in great detail by a lot of uh, different platforms out there. You can go on YouTube or you know Google, you know Google, just punch it in, look it up, man. And there's a lot of, um, I mean, I, I I guess there is controversy about it. It doesn't really seem like too much of a mystery. It seems like everyone knows what happened. And it's just ne- it's just never gonna go. Uh, there's never gonna be like justice. There's never, you know, it's just it is what it is kind of thing. But um, it is a really interesting story if you're a, a true crime head or you just want to hear something interesting about behind the scenes pro wrestling. Man, that's a crazy story.
1: But uh, uh, but you're right. Well, yeah, we're here to talk about why he is metal adjacent. You're right, in the heavy hole podcast.
0: You're absolutely right. And
1: if man, if Bruiser Brody isn't on this list, then we don't have a list. <laughs>
0: and what is it's, it? Would be like not putting Lemmy. On kind of like a classic, you know, metal like yeah. influencer list or something. It's like not that, putting you
1: know? it's not putting Ozzy on the list of Black Sabbath singers. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's, just not, yeah, it's, it's just, like we're not doing
0: that. Yeah, so. he's there, he's there, man. Um, I like his vest. Yeah, that furry Viking vest that he he probably just ripped off of like a, a bear, a real life bear. <laughs> yep,
1: <laughs> with his bare yep his bare hands.
0: Whoa, oh, oh. his bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. All right, so Bruiser Brody, rest in peace to the great man. Next up,
1: heavy hole podcast, metal adjacent. We're, we all we all are kind of metal
0: adjacent, right? But we're I fashion. <laughs> I yeah, I I'm gonna say metal adjacent, but I'm gonna say this next one. Just she is metal. Take take it away. Will. She's in the metal universe. This was my personal like top choice to include on this episode, Luna Vachon, Uh stepdaughter of legendary uh, wrestling legend uh, Morton. Re- Legendary legend. <laughs> More, he had double that legend because he was. It's worth. Ma- is, he yeah. deserves it. Maurice Mad Dog Vachon. Um, I think, I forget exactly what happened. I think I think she was the adopted daughter or something like that. Yeah, somehow it came yeah. to like She
1: was like the stepdaughter. You know, yeah, the but half, but half he thing. took her
0: under the wing, yep. trained her up, um, and she kind of like uh, adopted his persona, a lot of like his type of attitude or whatever um and her, her she wrestled around a little bit but um i think it was like it was it was uh well it was it wasn't the wcw yet what was it or was it the NWA with uh, Kevin Sullivan? I was before, yeah. Before she had joined WCW, she was uh,
1: she was like rocking some Southern territories.
0: Yeah, she was doing the start out thing. Uh, you see pictures of her; she's kind of like not so crazy looking yet, or you know what. Uh, but then, yeah, the, the 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 Kevin Sullivan Army of Darkness. You know the story? Like she was like she was like in the in the, in the crowd, or she was like a reporter or something. They turned her evil. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I think I think she she first came on as like a reporter or something like that, and Kevin Sullivan sucked her into the evil, like, you know, his army of darkness that he was building. Because Kevin Sullivan, another guy that we, um, we should talk about on a future edition of these metal wrestlers. He's, like, the more, like, maybe, like, the black metal yeah, wrestler, yeah. satanic, yeah. creepy guy, man. If you want another interesting wormhole to go down with the wrestling thing, if you want to find, like, some more occult creepiness is Kevin Sullivan, man. A lot of weird stuff about that dude over the years. But he did put Luna Vashon on. This is about Luna. Um, most metal thing about her, uh, that I didn't even know until Justin did the research... Um, you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So, like,
1: uh, you know, in the '80s for uh, she, for the, the thrash metal band Nasty Savage, mm-hmm. uh, she she did backup vocals. Yes, you know, she appeared on a track uh, called Triple XXX. Yeah, is that nine X's? I don't know. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. The,
0: but, man, the math adds up.
1: Yeah, it's a, a fucking very heavy thrashing song, you know. And she um, she's doing some some backup kind of, you know, like. I want to say more of like a texture kind of like moaning sort of thing, you know, like in, in proto black metal. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like That's
0: she's a good way to put it. I mean, dude, it. when I when I pulled up today, you guys were watching a video of her cutting a promo and it just sounded like if you isolated the vocals on like a four or five minute black metal song, it really did. Yep. Yeah, her voice was like a really passable black or death metal singer's voice from it, like the 80s or
3: 90s. Yeah, it's like a, it's like early a bop. Yeah. Like, that's what she sounded like.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was really impressed. I was saying, like, you, it would be very easy, conceivably, to, to cut this up and put it over a metal song like people do nowadays and think. But, um, yeah, she was fucking metal. She was she was known for being a little bit of a loose cannon, um, you know, in her private life and stuff like that, man. Uh, you know, and uh, she was also known for, um, she had a big run with Bam Bam Bigelow as his, like, manager, lover, whatever that was all about. Bam Bam
1: fell deeply in love with her. How could you not? Is <laughs> very... His, his main heart.
0: squeeze, you yeah. Know? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, later on, you see you teaming up with with Goldust. I, I was the
1: artist formerly known as Goldust. I
0: yeah. wasn't watching wrestling so much. I, I actually remember I first saw her when she was like Shawn Michaels' valet. The whole when she came, she she, she went up against uh, Sensational oh, Sherry
1: WrestleMania Nine. Yeah, debut. yeah, that whole thing. Debuting as
2: Shawn Michaels' valet at WrestleMania. Yep, that's a- big. After yeah, Shawn that. had
1: uh, had had dumped Sherry. She came in, instantly had it out for her. Ended up attacking her after the match, backstage, and then just cuts the towel.
0: (sighs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, sick promo, sick gimmick, sick personality. I think that the problem is, like, if she was around nowadays in her prime, she'd be kicking ass, man. Because uh, female professional wrestlers (laughs) are a much bigger... Uh, you know, market now a much bigger thing. It's taken way more seriously. They have uh, women up there who are actually like trained how to wrestle. Whereas, like in the eighties and nineties, especially like you know, maybe in the in the smaller markets, maybe, but like WWF, WCW, they weren't really promoting like the, the you know the females the female wrestlers like that. Luna Vachon, she was like a talent. She comes from like you know, honest to god wrestling stock. She, she just came at a,
1: a fabulous moolah school. Mm-hmm. You know, she, yeah,
0: she so making it through that is
1: just yeah something. Now you have a certain sort of tough, you know, grit to you.
0: She yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff if you study up. I, actually, there's another thing where um I think when Vincent McMahon wanted to bring her in as Shawn Michaels' ballet, they had to track her down, and they said her own family didn't know where she was. They wow. had to send out a private investigator, and she was working as a waitress in Florida. Wow. So who knows what was going on, man? But it yeah, is a re- really interesting character. Um, little, little tragic. I, I know that she had a big house fire where she lost like all her belongings, and she passed away um, from like an accidental drug overdose. Uh, maybe a year or two later after that, man, very sad. A lot of these wrestlers that we're talking about passed away so young, um, whether it's drugs or health problems, or whatever else goes on, man. That's another thing that you know, not not to make light of that, but um. The passing away young and the live fast, die young mentality. There's definitely something to to, to be made, said that that's like a parallel for for heavy metal, definitely. especially the way heavy metal was in the '80s. You know, so there's, there's you know, that's a little bit maybe like a darker parallel, but you know, it's there. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Luna Bashan man, one of my personally like my my most uh, metal favorite metal re- uh, wrestlers of all time, and I think a little underrated, man. You know, if you go back and like, you know, you stack her up against some of the guys, she's scarier. You know what I'm saying?
2: She looks like she could be on the uh, Celtic Frost Emperor's Return album cover. Especially yeah. that, that picture uh, with the, the Nasty Savage singer.
3: Not as much wrestling related, but if for some reason you're trying to run away, uh, don't go to Florida. That's <laughs> where people look first. It's all runaways and old people. And Florida
1: men.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Florida
1: men, yes. And uh, actually now they're talking about don't flush your meth down the toilet because
0: you get meth gators. Whoa. Ooh, is, wow. that for, is that for real? I really saw that tip. Okay, this we got to do a whole, news today whole other episode. I, I heard the phenomenon behind the, the Florida man thing is that Florida actually just doesn't give a shit and they put all your information out there when you get arrested. It's
3: actually called the Sunshine Laws. Yeah. The press is... They have access to the police files immediately. Yeah. Unlike any other state. Every other state, it's like the press has to go and do a little more digging. Yeah. But so they can basically just go online and pull up anyone.
0: So, all of these people that think that they're better than people who live in Florida, <coughs> you actually just have lazier reporters for your local news. Like, like yeah? once
1: they stop filming WCW. W- Thunder on, in Florida? Did Florida just go to shit? ship? Um, just to go downhill once Thunder pulled out? I think uh, this might have
3: been a little before my time, but I think it was when Ponce de Leon thought he could live <laughs> forever by finding
0: a fountain there. He was the first Florida man. Yes. All right. Rest in peace to Luna Vachon. <laughs> a little bit of a tangent there, but yeah, she's definitely metal.
1: Shout out to Thunder in Paradise. Like one of the best.
0: <laughs>
1: well, if, we're, if we want to talk about brutality... Yeah. Then this is a, this is a good note to end on. Uh, we're talking about Atsushi Onita. If I pronounce that correctly, uh, it looks like he did. Talk about pushing the envelope of uh,
2: violence in wrestling. Yeah. Please talk about it.
3: <laughs> well, he, he puts <laughs> death like, match
0: wrestling on the map.
3: He looks like a nice man. From
0: here, t- t- I don't know much, but all right, <laughs> we'll see. see th- <laughs> this is something I I don't know about, and the listeners can't see this. He's he's uh. Uh, he's a really sweaty guy, holding up two middle fingers, smoking a cigarette, hair all fucked up, leather jacket. Um, kind of looks like your typical, like you know, metal punk uh, guy from like the '80s. He's or got 90s a kiss thing. patch yeah. on his jeans. Yeah.
3: yeah, he looks like a member of Guitar Wolf. Are you guys familiar with Guitar
0: Wolf? Yeah. Uh, he looks like what maybe they base their image off of. He looks like the real life version of Guitar Wolf. Yeah. He's the Guitar Wolf. So, Sam, I feel like you know a little bit about this guy.
2: Yeah, so he, he uh, started a wrestling promotion
0: called uh, FMW
2: mm-hmm. that uh, really put um, deathmatch wrestling at the forefront. And uh, I, I would almost compare him to, like, a carcass. He, like He's like the carcass of pro wrestling, bringing okay. uh, gore to the the forefront of the the audience. And, uh, and also, deathmatch wrestling in Japan, it's not like it was some niche little subculture like like how we experience it here in the states nowadays like like they were filling up arenas mm-hmm. doing like these huge outdoor shows and pools sam i need to back you up right here pretend i'm in the room what is deathmatch wrestling <laughs> <laughs> fair yeah fair enough what is a death match a death match i mean it, it essentially anything goes like a hardcore match but the wrestlers uh well, either the wrestlers will bring certain weapons, or they will already be set up in the ring, okay. or there will be structures built from things such as uh, barbed wire and light tubes, and, uh, you know, sometimes uh, explosives would be thrown into the mix as well.
1: De- Deathmatch is more of the, like, you know, I, like building off of what you said, uh, it's the state of mind of the wrestler. It's the it's the willingness and, and, and the drive to... Be within an inch of your own life yeah, and put bring your, your opponent there as well. Exactly. Put your body completely on the line, you know, with with, with the hopes of telling a story. Of uh, of just, you know, taking it to the absolute edge. The absolute limit of, of, of like, the human experience of, of pain of, of brutality. And what Onida did was he created this company based off of uh, what he saw... Uh, going on in, in Memphis with uh, with the Funks, you know, Terry Funk and Dory Funk Jr. Um, and, and brought that sort of blood and brutality to Japan and, and the Japanese culture kind of ate it up. So F- when he started FMW, uh, um, FMW was kind of, it was like split between deathmatch wrestling and like sort of a, a martial arts like showcase. Kind of like Pancreas was. And uh, the deathmatch stuff just completely took off. Mm. So, you know, he's wrestling um, uh, Tarzan Goto in the first ever exploding barbed wire match, which is the ring is surrounded by a cage, you know, 10, 15 feet high uh, of barbed wire electrified. So you touch it, get zapped. Well, wow, is this a- uh, AC or DC current?
0: I, I don't know about AC, DC. It sounds more, like, <laughs> sounds more like Kiss meets Gigi Allen. Like, it's got the yeah. pyrotechnics and the spectacle of it all, but Absolutely. it's like, it's just blood and cuts and piss. It's just fucking crazy.
1: If any of the listeners are familiar with uh, CZW, uh, Combat Zone Wrestling, uh, that is a, a direct descendant from FMW and what's going on. And, uh, and that whole deathmatch culture. And, uh, you know, Onita has has as much, if not more, to do with bringing that um, to the forefront or even to be considered a legitimate style of pro wrestling up there with, like, Luma Libre. Or your is catch can, um, as as like Terry Funk or, or Cactus Jack or any, anybody like that. Um, you know, I, I love the the little fact of uh, you know he was, you know, I don't know if it's if it's uh, proven legend, but but what he says, the innovator of the barbed wire bat wrapped in bar, uh, you know, barbed wire baseball bat, wrapped in barbed wire. It's twice it's wrapped. And he was the first guy, yeah, to bring that to the ring and use it. Allegedly, mm-hmm. I uh, believe it. I believe it too, and it's a it's a staple. It's an icon of of wrestling, you know, in the '90s in WWE, WWF. You know, that still can show up today, and everybody who's Nas. And <laughs> that was my favorite <laughs> item to get in uh, WCW, NWO Revenge for Nintendo great game. 64. Yeah, that was a great wrestling game. Press that yellow up button right by the crowd.
0: <laughs> um. So, all right, so. I see something else at the end there that that's very intriguing, although maybe not not necessarily metal. Maybe <laughs> sounds almost more like hip hop, like something like it, like like Wu Tang style or something, man. Like if Ghostface was was in the mix or something. This guy was a politician. Yeah, so he. Uh, and uh, yeah, go uh, ahead, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so
1: after um, well, you know, first there's there's this claim, you know, and uh and I love I loved reading about it because it's like. He's like, uh, it's it's like. Onita claims as Scott Steiner that he um, slept with over twenty thousand women. Okay, right? You know the the Wilt Chamberlain sort of thing, and like, keep that bad away from me, brother. Like, if you say so, like that's fine. Like, I believe you, no problem. Um, but he did get into uh, into politics after his uh, wrestling career, um, or his his maybe his fourth or fifth retirement from wrestling. Got into politics and. Uh, had a brief stint um, in, in uh, you know, the name is escaping me, but some Japanese house of government, you know, if you will. So, uh, is his political life was cut short following a sex scandal, which we, he was alleged to have uh, used government facilities uh, to facilitate a threesome between a government worker and a porn star. It does belong to the people. And also,
3: some quick math. So, you got 20,000 women. Let's say he has a 25-year sexual career. Yeah. Um, that would mean uh, 2.19 girls a day. Is that doable? You think? Um, I mean, I'm, I am I am sick at least four or five days
0: out of the year. That that's a, that's incredible. You two, well, uh, what are you like cutting the third girl into portions? Well, no, I'm just, it's an average because that would be extremely death metal. It would, yes. Be best. Whoa, okay. This, this is friends. his uh, legendary match with
2: Hayabusa in the exploding barbed wire cage.
1: Um, yeah, so for the listeners, definitely check out this uh, Hayabusa Onita match. Uh, I think it was Onita's first retirement match in the uh, exploding barbed wire cage. Um, it's metal. The, the, not only is the barbed wire metal, but the brain inside of this man Onita oozing metal. Um, on the list. What year is this? I'm just curious. What it? 95. 95. 95. Yeah. Wow,
3: that's that's um, he's laid on hair. <laughs> so that's that's a uh, 89 to 90 hair, and then,
0: well, maybe that's what was popular uh, in Japan at the time oh, for a while. Oh so, my goodness!
1: So the ring has just exploded. Oh wow! And Gene Simmons is about to walk out and start playing God of Thunder. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Um, I, I highly suggest uh, checking out some Monita matches. Um, if you have the stomach for. Deathmatch wrestling. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a you know. Are you Album enough? cover. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is this harkens back to the album cover. Uh, yeah,
0: the gore album cover. Exactly. I, I got something else for that later, but okay. Yep. Oh it's, damn.
1: So with with the illustrious career of Onita, that brings tonight's metal adjacent professional wrestler uh, list. All right. Yeah. Ring the bell. <laughs>
0: we hope you enjoyed it. Um, we're going to try to do this again in the future Because we obviously didn't cover even like a Half or a quarter of like all, of, uh, all the wrestlers we wanted to talk about um, But for those of you who don't care about wrestling And tune in for metal uh, Are we going to talk about some albums? Yeah but uh, actually before we do that Now I don't want to put up like an official list or anything Because that's not fair
3: But what's like out of the ten we just We did What's like your personal favorite Like everyone or most metal You would consider subjectively only
0: well, I think I already said it, Luna, uh, Luna Vashon, and being on the Nasty Savage song and her vocals like really drove it home for me. Yeah, yep. Mm.
2: It, it's pretty hard for me to separate the metalness from the just overall, uh, you know, pro wrestling quality from like a fan's point of view. I, I would still have to just go with the Undertaker, mm-hmm. just for his, um, you know. Just his pro wrestling ability and just the, the the aura that he carries.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with yeah. you and say the Undertaker because the discography spans many yeah. genres of metal. You know, uh, he has he has bled, gotten brutal with with the most brutal. Uh, he's got the the character and the backstory the, uh, to just fill you know, an uh, LPs like album you know album arts worth of material mm-hmm. and. Uh,
2: He's done everything from uh, mortician to uh,
0: limp biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what's up. So, Tom, what about you though? Uh, my personal is Vader. Okay, just right,
3: because, on. like I said before, the guy—if if, he—if everyone here breaks kayfabe, he's the only guy who put his eyeball back into his head.
0: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And yeah. there's something about that that's wow. No. Respectable, commendable. Yeah, exactly. Commendable, All these—I mean,
3: these these people give their life to this. This is, yeah. and the characters are great. And it's
0: phenomenal shit. But like,
3: holy fuck, you put your eye in your head? And I, I,
0: I guess he—he—he uh, he, he ended up having a metal plate permanently put in his head underneath oh, yeah. his eye socket because of that.
3: That's yeah. Just keep yeah. it in there. Even uh, more metal. Yeah. Also, he was the only person. I know you didn't mention this, but he was the only person with his own white castle. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> That's right. He had the white castle
0: of fear. Yes. Wow! Shout out to oh. Polo Polo's always uh, holding it down at the White Castle in Queens There. Okay. Shit.
1: Maybe on a bonus episode Tom we'll dive in to the White Castle of Fear Which
3: is, uh, we'll tie back to Sting as well Because that's where they visit um, And it's kind of like, uh, well whatever Anyway, so that will wrap it up For our wrestlers uh, All of them very metal, thank you for doing the research on this Alright, let's roll on to some Album recommendations
0: for Ooh. our listeners Alright We'll start with the new stuff Okay, so uh, today I want to talk about Melancholy Pessimism. And it's not just because I'm sad. It's a sick (laughs) band. Um, Long-running Czech Republic-based death grind band going back to 1992. And uh, I want to talk about their new album, Democracy War Crusades, uh, on Bizarre Leprous Productions. Um, This is a band that kind of got back together. I think they took a hiatus, like, uh, 2010. So this is the first album in quite some time. Really good shit. Uh, they just do that, like, fairly typical of the Czech scene where they blend grindcore, hyper-blasting, brutal grindcore with death metal elements uh, for this kind of, like, super-blasty death metal. Um, but these guys put in, like, kind of experimental things somewhere. Like, I don't want to make it seem like they're this weird avant-garde band because they're a really straightforward, blasting death grind band, but there's kind of a weird technicality to them at times, and they, and they, they, mix, they mix it in there very smoothly. And then at other times... Again, much like some of their Czech uh, counterparts, they have a way of integrating new metal uh, and don't run away just yet when I say that. But like technique, like like the rhythm section mainly. Like you're not going to hear the guy break down and start crying and rapping or something. But they have like these breakdowns where they kind of perfectly integrate this this cool kind of like uh, catchy rhythm and maybe even like Slipknot is an influence on some of the guitar riffs. Love it. But the drums and the vocals are straightforward, brutal, and these are some of the most guttural, brutal vocals you're going to hear. I believe it's the original vocalist, so the guy's been doing it forever, man. So, um, great band, and if you like this stuff, there's a big wormhole to go down. They have, uh, I think, five or six full lengths, a couple of splits. The original 1992 demo is a relic of um, chunky, churny... kind of of a little bit slower back then slow moving death metal man you might want to check that out but this new album is right on on point and i love it uh and at first like the first time i listened to it it was just like straightforward blasting i don't know if i'd call it ping because it's very restrained and um uh specific you know it's not like all over the place but very ping adjacent maybe because it's so blasty and grindy that some of these like more technical riffs and flashy riffs and interesting parts uh um even a little bit of atmosphere at times can like pass you right by uh it takes uh, one or two listens to really get into it man and they're a great band they've always kind of st- um stayed the course extremely brutal guttural vocals blasting death metal uh but each album i really feel like has its own personality it's a band you might want to go back and explore if you like this uh they had their period where they were like um very influenced by new metal uh, they had their period before that where they were like extremely cryptic death metal so melancholy pessimism one of my all time favorite Czech bands and band names uh, their new album Democracy War Crusades and that that label it's on Bizarre Leprous uh, that's that's another crazy gore grind wormhole to go down yeah if you look up, brought
3: them up a few times on oh the show oh boy yeah, a yeah. crazy just stuff.
0: warning to the fans we're bringing Paulo back with a special guest for uh, Ping Part 2 so this is kind of like your little warm up get ready for it alright these riffs are great, dude. Oh, this is this is such good shit, man. Drums are a little modern. You guys know me. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's,
1: yeah it's, a little tr- it's a little more triggered than I think you A little uh, more would triggered. Think, yeah.
0: Some of their older releases have way more natural-sounding drum um, performances and recordings, but that also could just be the time. This band's been around since 92. Yeah. So I'm not mad at them, man. I really do enjoy this album. And like, it works. Drums yeah. are very modern, but it works. And if you listen to the vocals and the guitars, the production is really bananas.
2: Definitely got a snare tone I can sink my teeth into, you know, nice mm. and thick.
0: With, with a good it.
2: amount of
0: uh, ping adjacent. Yeah, Adjacent's I love that ping adja- adjacent. Yeah, it's it's like because like ping, I feel like would sound way more like unrestrained and about to fall off the rails. It's on the grid. This is on the grid. This is this is machine gun death. Is level.
1: adjacent the new legend? Is really what I'm wondering on that adjacently on the Heavy Hole podcast. Adjacently,
0: all you know? right <laughs> Yeah, this is just, uh, this is a riff-based album. Yeah, I love this, man. You know?
1: Yeah, it's, like you said, it's technical, it's heavy, it's grooving, you know? Give me anything with, like, a first Slipknot record
0: vibe also. And for fans of Czech death metal, um, there's just a lot of elements on here that, that, you know, uh, hit, hit all the spots, you know what I mean? This is something about the production, the guitar tone, the writing. This is just right up there with all those classic bands, uh, alienation mental and contrastic and all that stuff we talk about with Paulo that we'll get back into
1: So uh, for my new recommendation, I brought a Feather and Bones 2018 release, Bestial Hymns of Perversion, off of Profound Lore Records. Ooh. Does anybody know that record label here? I think I might have Never uh, heard, heard of them. <laughs> yeah. Never heard
0: of them. <laughs> shout so, out to Bruni. Um, yeah, so I was just recently
1: uh, exposed to this record, man, and this is, uh, I, I feel like this is a crushing take on modern death metal. Um kind of like this, almost like this early Cannibal Corpse, like, uh, Morbid Angel sort of vibe to it. Uh, way, way darker than this band's previous release, which was like, uh, you know, a little more crusty, hardcore, grindy, kind of, you know, driving. Uh, but, but this, this record still has the same kind of drive, but, you know, it's way more brutal, way more like death metal influenced. Um, just murky old school, you know, like production value, tons of reverb, which i love to hear. Um, the vocalist, you know, it's it's like this guttural kind of Chris Barnesy kind of thing, like you know, harken back to this Cannibal Corpse or whatever. But definitely brings it like a bit more modern. And I, I just love these bands that are coming out, man. It's just like are, are are reinventing this old death metal sound, you know, and maybe reinventing to some people is just bringing the same old death metal sound back, you know, slapping the the, the year on the release. But I think these people are, are uh, bringing, you know. Just a little bit extra, a little of that modern take to the writing and all that stuff.
0: <clears throat> this is really cool. I like the way the drums sit in the guitars. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the drummer is playing drums on a raft, and the guitars are the water. Oh.
1: That's a little poetry. It's <laughs> like a little white water. Yeah, that's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it was a haiku, allegedly. Um,
1: as I'm going through this record, man, it's, just, it's a constant, aggressive push. To let you know what this, what you know, of feather and bone are about now, not what they were about before, what they're about right now. What and I what, love this record. What were they about before? So it was a little just more, a little more hot, uh, a little more hardcore, kind of grindy, a little more oh, like, okay. um, like crust kind of deep beat shit. Uh huh. Um, not shit, but you know, very quality. And and actually, there's a little bit of that like in this record, but um, what they surround it with with this sort of you know OSDM sort of sound yeah, makes it super effective.
2: Yeah, I feel like with the guitar tone and just the way it's produced overall, it's like they could play any riff and it would would sound fucking brutal.
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then there's some, like, nice little, uh, like, doomy melodic breaks throughout the record, too.
3: Yeah, very informed by, like, the atmospheric black metal thing. But, I mean, that's just atmospheric death metal at at, at that point, because... Yeah, there's there's ties to black metal, but this is this is death metal, definitely. You know?
2: Yeah, I, I would say there's like a little bit of like that revenge conqueror kind mm. of tip to it, blackened death metal, but
3: yeah, yeah. I, I actually I've I, I hate to say it, I haven't really dove into this bunch. Yeah, I haven't. This is the first time
1: hearing it, to be honest with you, and I've been told so many. Great things about this this album, and uh, I'm glad you're bringing it. Same. In. I've seen this name f- uh, a lot of places for a while, and
0: uh, yeah, the popping up recently. I'm happy for them. You very know?
1: happy when I when I
0: start diving in. Do you know who produced this album? Who was recorded? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: better to not, not be uh, Kurt because it had that like Converge feel to it like,
2: yeah. when I was listening to it but... there are older stuff too it was definitely like that kind of crusty but like still death wishy kind of hardcore yeah.
3: the guy who recorded this is uh, Steve Goldberg from Cephalic Carnage interesting oh, wow. yeah. shit excellent production it, it has an atmosphere you know?
2: I wouldn't associate with Cephalic Carnage either cephalic it's like a sure. different avenue of death metal
3: he did the production or just the recording well he did the recording on it and then I was just I saw that and I perked up but he didn't do the mixing on it or mastering rather it was Dan Lowndes who did the mastering oh
2: from Cruciamentum. Yes.
0: yeah cool
3: This week, I brought in the latest release by American Sharks, the album 1111 on the End Records, released May 10th, 2019. This is a punk rock stoner metal band, all clean vocals. I really like this band. Uh, I like their previous release, it was a self titled American Sharks. This and the old one, this is the kind of music that puts you in a Camaro. Like, uh, huh. you put it on, you, be on, the, you can be see on the subway, it now. you're in a Camaro all of a sudden, you know, you're driving... <laughs> like a, like a Z- <laughs> Yeah, you are flying... You on got, Route 66 in a Camaro. Right? You got an open six-pack next to you on the front seat, and you a are rock Z? <laughs> You are smoking joints, and you are just flying. Allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, yes. <laughs> Drive safe. Yeah, I love the fuzzy guitars in this. It's like, really thick, the bass accompanies it so well, it's just crunchy all the way through. It's a three-piece from Austin. And I've seen these guys five times Because they were on a touring circuit In 2015, I think And they ended up at Vitus a bunch And I caught them the first time by accident Because they were opening out for someone else I forgot who, but these guys stole the show So every time they they came to town I would go see this band And they put on a a great show It's like, uh, you know It's a a bit of a slowdown from the usual things That get brought in here, but I think it's Some really cool, like, stoner-influenced Punk rock
0: cool shit, man. I like this a lot,
1: man. I, I love this band, Tom. Uh, the name American Sharks. Can't get a better name.
0: I don't care where you look, where you try, American Shark. Yeah. It's,
1: it reminds me of like an old CKY like when it was kind of like It's that fuzz. Bit, that you know, that, yeah, that yeah. fuzz, man. It's like it, yeah. it makes me want to skate and it makes me want to like drink one beer out of a six pack and then leave it somewhere because I forgot and then head to next spot you
0: know i'm a huge butthole surfers fan yeah and Mm -hmm. they you know you can't really describe them with like one you know they're they they go here and there and everywhere but some of their more like uh clear-headed rock and roll moments this reminds me of you know what i mean like their album independent worm saloon had a lot of like more more fuzzy punk rock moments and like this reminds me kind of like that vibe man i really like it this is the kind of rock and roll i like man it's It's not too clean, it's it's very fuzzy, you know what I mean? It's It's got grit,
1: Yeah, it's got the grit to it. Yeah,
0: dude, this is is Americana right here, like you said, the Camaro. Yeah. You know what I mean, man? I'm picturing, like, some kids in the 70s, like, in a desert somewhere smoking weed, allegedly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what I mean? You know, doing burnouts. Yeah,
3: listening to Caius, but then also listening to this at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's how it is. Yeah. But yeah, check out American Sharks. This is their album, 1111. Sick. What label? Uh, this is The End Records, which is, like, pretty big label. They have a lot of people. I
2: mean, I'm pretty sure they did some dissection reissues. I think so, maybe. yeah. They yeah.
3: they tread some weird places. Like, The Prodigy was on The End for wow, a while. okay.
2: Um, Love The
3: Prodigy. It, I looked at the list. I was just like, wow, look at all this fucking talent. It's all over the place, yeah. you know? Mm. Prodigy, um,
0: t- allegedly the fire starter. Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah. yeah,
3: Keith Flint, rest in peace, dude. All, yeah, like Terrorizer was on there for a bit, all over the place. So I, you know, I can dig a label that dabbles. Okay, everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah,
0: I knew I was familiar with the End Records. I just yeah, this is all right. This is interesting, man. This is cool shit. Yeah. Rock, rock and roll, man. Mm-hmm. Rock out. I did talk to um, their
3: guitar player Will Ellis at one of the shows. Super nice guy, and he happens to have one of the coolest guitars I've ever seen. It's called a Gibson Shark Fin. Huh. which is like an Explorer, but there's this giant fin looking thing cut into the back end of it, and you can't find him anywhere. He told me how he had his Explorer stolen out of his car, and he got insurance money out of it, and it was the week that Gibson was putting out like a thousand of these things, and he plays it all the time. It looks badass as fuck, you know? Wow. wow. Like, like
2: dad
0: badass, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so how serendipitous. Yeah.
2: Dedication to the gimmick, though. American Sharks, a shark fin guitar, right? Oh, yeah, great. Complete package, right there. Love to hear it. your uh, good time vibes <laughs> with this one. I have uh, Swallowed from Finland. Ooh. What's the album title? Lunar Terial. It's L-U-N-A-R-T-E-R-I-A-L.
0: Sick album. Yeah. yeah.
2: The, the album uh, covers sick, by uh, album. a Swiss painter, Peter Berkhauser. So th- this wasn't commissioned for the album. This was something that, that they found that they felt suited the 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 vibe of the album and uh i i can't think of a better fit
0: yeah uh that's a creepy album cover and so far it kind of kind of sounds how it looks man it i get they probably couldn't have done a, a better oh. job if they commissioned somebody uh, i mean this is that that sounds like the voice that's speaking right now is that four-eyed creep four eyes two voices yeah, yeah.
2: so is it swallowed are a band uh from finland mm-hmm.
3: that
0: uh kind of follow
2: in the tradition of your uh like beharit Archgoat? Ride for Revenge, kind
0: of blackened death metal. Okay, because on the podcast, I personally I talk about finished death metal all the time. One of my favorite little regional subgenres, but we're not really into the finished death metal zone right now with what you're talking about. Just for the listeners, right?
2: Right. Yeah, th- this is more on the black metal, the, the BCL blackened death metal. But, I, yeah, I, I would definitely. Yeah File this under the medal of death category.
0: Ooh, Ooh. uh oh, oh yeah, uh oh, Oh, man. All right, what do you think? I I gotta sit with it, then, man. I gotta get to know this guy. I gotta look him in all four of his eyes, see what he's about. (laughs) But uh, I, to call it from here, man, I wouldn't doubt you, man. This is some scary shit, man.
2: so, so this is a band that kind of started with, with their demos and their EPs. They kind of were just an old-school death metal band, more in the vein of your uh, like autopsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with this record, they kind of just went down a, an insane huh. rabbit hole of, uh, Interesting. you know, just occultism and psychedelia. It's, it's
0: insane. I love that even more. I'd be very interested to hear their earlier material
2: yeah, uh, the, the, the EPs and and well, I think it's just a demo and an EP, but uh, they, they're both good. But uh, this is just a completely yeah, different. Yeah.
0: No, I'd beast. love to track the progression yeah. into
1: whatever this is. This, this is, is like deconstructed, like yeah. thinking about your like yourself in terms of the music. It's reflecting back at you. It's... It, wow. it's very
2: like disjointed too. Like like the way that like the the drummer plays, it's like the beats don't. I like, especially on my first couple listens of this thing. I mean, I, I I definitely sat with this. This is from 2014, so I'm bending the
1: the new uh, release a little <laughs> bit. But <laughs> thank you for being here. Yeah. Get the dog,
0: <laughs> stick the dog on us. Yeah. No, this is awesome. This is amazing. Yeah, this is really interesting. Dark music, dark uh, metal of death, man. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah is,
1: this is horrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is almost like kind of like a supernatural atmosphere. This is really interesting stuff, man.
3: This, I would put in a. I would put it in, like, the Portal category. Yeah. But doesn't sound like Portal. It's fucking with my head the same way, like, the first time I listened to, like, Swarth or something, you know? Like, and how much I didn't know anything about that music in the moment I was put into it. Because Portal's
2: very disjointed as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like this kind of gives off the vibe of, like, that, like, I could kind of still see him playing this on, like, a vintage, like, Les Paul, you know? Like, yeah. it, it, it's it's still buried under the muck and the, the black ooze, bringing it back to Papa Shango. Hell yeah. Mm. There, there's still a rockin' vibe to it, a little bit. I mean, I, I think it, you have to dig deep in, into the album, sit with it, and listen yeah. to it a couple times to get it,
0: but... The kind of supernatural, secretive vibe about it is very Papa Shango, too, man. Yeah. Wow.
2: Like, I'm just imagining
0: uh, this is a two piece band, so I'm just imagining these two guys
2: just like playing in, like, you know, a a cabin somewhere in, like, the countryside of Finland where, you know, and they're Mm -hmm. tripping on all types of substances (laughs) allegedly. Human blood. And, uh, you know, conjuring demons. Wow. I mean, I can see it, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. For a two piece band, there's just so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and there's also a lyrics booklet too that is completely indecipherable what do you mean i think it's in english but you can't really like you can make out words here and there but it's like not written in any conventional way whatsoever like imagine yeah, listening to this music as disorienting as it is and then trying to follow along to the yes. lyrics
1: so this is a uh, truly the full package yeah, yeah. it's a total package
0: Everybody tonight, you hear it right there. It's the cassette tape. I had it in my pocket the whole time because I want these guys to even know. I got, <laughs> I got the Humanized uh, Terminal Punishment cassette tape demo from 1996. It says 95 on the internet, it says 96 on the tape. Um, yeah, I just want to do this. I want to say respect to the Humanized. Uh, they recently announced that they broke up. Um, I I know De- Dehumanized has, has broken up uh, a few times in the past and come back, but it sounded like this was maybe like for real, you know, like some, you know whatever's going on behind the scenes, they decided it was best to disband. So um, I could talk about Dehumanized a lot. They were very uh, integral and instrumental to like my beginnings and going to death metal shows and being in my first death metal bit. My first death metal band that played shows, Cursed Earth, started as a side project of Rich from Dehumanized, and I actually joined after he left the band, uh, but that was, yeah, so was last, and then we ended up opening for Dehumanized a whole bunch of times at Castle Heights, I talk about Castle, Castle Heights all the time, um, and this demo was, uh, you know, it was huge back then, man. I, I remember um, the the guys from Cursed Earth, my first band, some of their friends p- pulled up in the van to pick me up one day, uh, and, and they said, Will, you got any tapes on you? Because back then everyone listened to tapes, you know, and I did, I had a couple of tapes in my backpack because I had my Walkman. And they were like, all we've been listening to is Dehumanized. All anyone had was the Dehumanized demo. We've been listening to Dehumanized demo all day. I I had some tape with, like, Deranged or whatever on it, man. But, yeah, it was just like everyone was on this Dehumanized shit. They were on every show. Um, You know, I I know that they still get a lot of respect in the death metal scene and and all that. But I just... uh, I I don't know if everyone realizes just what what went down uh, in Queens back in the mid to late 90s. You had... You know, on Long Island, obviously, in the early 90s, you had suffocation, then you had pyrexia, internal bleeding, and that whole Long Island movement. Uh, Dehumanized was very much Queens. Um, You know, obviously, they played out on Long Island. Long Island people loved them. It wasn't like a divisive thing. But personality-wise, the the identity of the band was Queens, New York. Uh, So much. And I I think that also had a lot to do with... Uh, Jackson Heights, Queens, uh, being the home of this Castle Heights club, that everyone, uh, it was like the St. Vitus of the era. Everyone who was into underground metal and grind was going there from Long Island, from Brooklyn, from Manhattan, from New Jersey, where, you know, you met up there, and Dehumanized were like kind of like the ambassadors of Queens Death Metal. Um, and also, this is before you had whatever people call Slam. This is before, or at least around, this, yeah, this is slightly before Devourment. Uh, you know, this is, this is like the, the breakdowns in death metal, the head nod death metal, that wasn't really a huge thing. You had, like I said, your suffocation, your internal bleeding. You had some bands that were doing that. But Dehumanized, I feel, they were the generation, uh, along with uh, Disfigured and Reputilation, who I've spoken about, um, that kind of took it a, a step further from where internal bleeding uh, took it in terms of the groove, the influence of New York hardcore uh and the uh and and not not just sonically but the fucking mosh pits castle heights was like a bloodbath i remember you know waking up the next day from going to shows there sore and with like literal doc martin prints on my pants and shirt <laughs> i mean it was just it was another time back then not that i was going crazy and do you know, i know i was a kid but you know it was just it was like the whole room would open up and if you were there you were gonna get it man if you want to see the band Uh, You know, it was just a whole different era, and that's how I've always remembered Dehumanized. Uh, The guy actually who played guitar in Cursed Earth, my first band who I talked about, um, shout out to Paul Tavora, my brother there, he played in uh, Dehumanized for a period of time. He was on the album Controlled Elite. Uh, And I've always just had this attachment to Dehumanized of kind of like pride in, in that era... And, um, you know, a couple of my friends being through that band over the years. And if you really listen to the music they wrote, especially um, not not just the guitars, but the drums. George Torres, such a formidable drummer, such a drummer uh, in death metal with his own personality. Um, so that's, you know, I could go, I could, I, you know, we could do a whole podcast about the humanized and I will tell the listeners, I'm going to wait a little bit of time and reach out to those guys. I would have liked to have them on the podcast when the band was still around, but you know, we will reach out to them. We can't make any guarantees, but again, I could go on about the humanized all night, but I just want to pay my respects to them tonight. So, dun, dun, dun. Dun 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 dun. Chills up your spine. If you were there, you know what it was when this riff came up. The whole place just people backed everyone out, clear up. Everyone hit the walls. Dun 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 dun. And it was just on, man. it's just the era of my life, man. So rest in peace to the humanized. Please morning, my body, cause we're born 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 this on me to
3: Justin, what kind of taste did you bring in?
1: Well, Tom, I'm glad you asked because I brought in a sturdy taste for my classic recommendation for this week. Um, this is Austrian Three Piece Sturdy Taste with their demo. That's all they got—only a demo, 1992. Lovely presentation. I believe we're listening to the song. Lovely presentation right now. Yep. <laughs> um, this is uh, <laughs> this is a fucking relic, man. This is a, this is a diamond in the rough of old school death metal. Uh, reminiscent of, of, of your good obituary, some good death uh, just thick and groovy throw in some melodic thrash elements here and there um, I just, listen, I gotta be honest with you guys because I, I came across Sturdy Death and then I just thought about the name Sturdy Death when I should have been making notes about what I think about this record Wait, Sturdy Taste you mean? Sturdy Taste Oh, okay it's not what I... Uh, say Sturdy Death? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sturdy <laughs> Taste. You can see how flustered I am with yeah. how amazing of a band name this is. Um, not yeah, what I d-
2: expected from the name. No, not say. at all, man. Yeah, uh, I, I did not think... I thought this was not
0: going to be a metal band. Yeah, I was thinking it was like a punk band. Itself. Yeah. yeah no, 1992,
1: man, I think this is like... Uh, it's It's got a little of that proto-Death Metal in it, but like as Death Metal was coming into its own, but a lot of that 80s thrash going yeah. on. So I, I,
2: I hear a lot of uh, like Harmony Corruption... Error Napalm Death in it too. Yeah, oh. yeah. Like especially on those groovy
0: parts, they would do. What year did you say this was? Ninety-two. Really excellent production.
1: Yeah, and uh, for for a demo, man, it's like absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, uh, that
1: was a lot of the, a, a lot of the notes I was reading about it, and um, yeah, this is what you would want from a full length from that time too. But just groovy as fucking hell, man. Thick. All I kept saying was thick. Yeah, this drummer is so
0: on point. He's very sturdy Sturdy yeah, taste. Every, yeah everybody in this band Has this like Sturdy taste for Yeah What a uh, Tight performance And production Really good Yeah This
1: is uh, a Four song Independently released Demo tape From Austria Uh None of, I was trying to research And see if any of these people Did um Anything after this band Uh The drummer might have been A dentist I, I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say There's uh There's a lot of Austrians Out
0: there with similar names I mean, I, uh, you know, the, the, the way this guy's playing drums, I would trust his hands with dental tools. It's great. Yeah. Very sturdy, precise hits. He's not pinging it out, you know. A ping drummer, I don't know if that's the guy you want drilling your teeth.
2: Good point. Maybe if you had to get them all, like, taken out at the
0: same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't have, have a dental care. You just gotta get it done, I guess, man. Ooh.
3: So, um, I just looked it up on Discogs. There's, There's only 200 copies of this floating around. Mm. And uh, yeah, you can't get it on discogs, uh, but the highest it sold at was sixty-one bucks.
1: <laughs> so that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, this is great, man. Uh, i I like I've been on this kind of summer-long Testament kick, right? And this is kind of hitting me like right up in there, you know. It holds me up in the gills of my Testament kick.
0: Definitely in the guitar. I don't know a lot of Austrian death metal bands. Obviously, I know Pungent Stench. Um, what was that grind band? There was a. Uh,
3: this might be the only one I could think of. Mast- and I didn't think of it. The- is Belfagor from
1: Austria?
0: I, I feel, I feel like I feel like you might be. I'm not sure. I think they. I think that might be right.
1: But there's so much American like influence, like sound in this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, was,
0: very Florida. I was gonna say, yeah, Mast- like Mastic the- scum. Another Austrian band. The
2: the vocals are definitely reminiscent of Chuck on the the leprosy, the leprosy Scream yep. Bloody Gore days. Yeah, totally. Belfagor is from Austria. Uh,
3: Salzburg specifically which is where Mozart was from so oh, that makes sense
2: yeah
1: in case you forgot the name of the band sturdy taste <laughs> can't emphasize that enough
0: love it <sighs>
3: Okay, uh Effortless <laughs> Regurgitation of Bright Red Blood. No, you didn't. I did, sir. Oh my god. On Lowland Records from nineteen ninety-four. I mean, it's thirty seven tracks of <laughs> Gore Grind. And that's and, and laying a precedent down for Gore Grind in many ways.
0: Yeah, this was one of the first bands that really had that crusty catchiness, the D beats. A lot of D beats. Yeah, yeah, man. Regurgitate really really took the D beats, man. Oh, wow, man, you're taking me back. This is one of the first Gore-Grind albums I ever... Adam dubbed me a tape of this. And I think Gut was on the other side, man. That was a sick tape. Yeah, this... Oh, man, such a good album. This long-ass intro and then the... um, the Just the bass and the drums in the first song, man. Yeah, yeah, I love the way that oh, comes God. in. It comes in like a. it's about to be like some power-violence shit and then just fucks you sideways. This is like lo-fi production with like 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 the almost like power-violence or punk or something... And just those gore grind... Oh, it, that's what it was, man. It's just like this DB catchiness with this punk rock production. And it's just gore grind, man. Oh, urgency Dude, you should have warned me you were going to bring this in. <laughs> oh, sorry, dude. I, I need, I, Yeah, man. I need the Adam Rotella bell or something when we put on this type of shit, man. I'm getting a little... This is...
3: I gotta, well, uh, yeah, I've been listening to this all week. Like, this has been the go-to yeah. album.
0: And, like, even when I
3: was doing my mo- roast mortem research for the other podcast, like, I, I listened to this... Probably 12 times this week It's great It's just a oh, solid album please. I really like I like that format Of like 40 second To like one minute songs Yeah That just have like Their own little life And then just keeps moving along Because you know th- Sometimes you listen To a grindcore album And uh, often it's short songs And you feel like You miss something But these are like Perfectly placed Throughout the album You know Yeah
0: Yeah. And something uh, That I just love I-, I mentioned before The raw production The You know It's just It sounds like the production You'd hear on like A garage rock band or something It's but it's just so raw and catchy and you know this was like gorg this type of gore grind wasn't about bombastic brutal production it was it was about the lo-fi you know rawness of it man. it yeah. really adds to the
2: the atmosphere because it sounds like it was recorded in the same room someone would have uh you know human body parts story. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it, it sounds fucked up. It sounds straight from the basement dungeon, that's for sure, man. And I love the pitch shifter sound this guy got on the vocals, man. Always had a sick sound. Yeah. These uh, I, I've talked about Crematory from Sweden once or twice on the show. True metal of death band. Uh, that was actually the guitarist and the drummer of Regurgitate before they formed Regurgitate. Oh. And highly recommended, man. Yeah, really really great band and not so much of a stretch When you hear that kind of classic doomy dark atmosphere death metal band to to realize that it was the same guitarist and drummer uh that would go on to make regurgitate a thing
3: i hear the modern grindcore scene borrowing from this a lot i just love oh yeah i hear like pig destroyer riffs in this you know in in a good way you know it's just rehashing ideas and i I love the bounce back and forth between like those really groovy parts the the d-beats and then just like utter nonsense blast
0: me yeah great songwriting all the way through it's gross uh, get regurgitated yeah and just um, just for the listeners just for clarification I do own their concrete human torture demo so Tom did not really flex on me just now by putting it <laughs> <you. laughs> Th- thank you
2: Uh, disembowelment, Transcendence into the Peripheral, Relapse Records, 1992.
0: Band influenced so many. I feel like uh, Funeral Doom or whatever they call that, Dirgy Doom, is, is really big now. <laughs> yes. And I feel like these guys uh, don't get as much credit in this current climate for influencing all these bands as they should. So th-
2: that's definitely true. Uh, I, I would say these guys and uh, Thurgathon, Thurgathon, however you want to say it, from Finland. Uh huh. Uh-huh were the ones to pioneer that sound, But I think Thurgathon get more credit because they were more straightforward with the Doom, whereas Disembowelment were more of a death metal band that had yes, yes.
0: these funeral dirge parts worked in. Which is why I like Disembowelment better. Me too. Uh, yeah, such an amazing band. So different, so unique, and so so dramatic and dark and deep. Oh, my like, God. Like, I
2: think th- this record... Extreme Metal can go in many different directions, but, like, this is as heavy as it gets. The, I mean, depending on how you look at it. But, like, the just the, the dramatic changes from Death Metal that, like, insane blast that can hold up with, like, Suffocation's FG of the Forgotten with just these weird psychedelic passages that, like, I can't even really compare it to another band.
0: Super brutal vocals, too. Yeah. Soupy. And just for the listeners' uh, benefit, Sam actually flexed on all of us and brought the the actual 12-inch vinyl for both of his album recommendations. Uh,
2: what pressing is this, sir? <laughs> uh, this is—I uh, mean, this is a repress, but it's on a beautiful uh, maroon double LP. Ma- I'm, I'm only giving you shit others.
3: because I feel
0: like lesser Brent, than. Right right now, I'm, I'm gonna flexing too right hard
3: now. with You're two, flexing so hard, yeah, well, uh, you're a professional wrestler. You're trying to plug the hole right now. Yeah, I, <laughs>
0: I, I actually own the test pressing of this. I stole it from the singer's mom. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> for if there's anyone. Uh, on the who listens to the podcast, for for those of you who might be Biolich fans, I know there's a few of you. If you if you ever paid attention to the Biolich artwork and the logos, we stole the lowercase B that we would put on our logo from disembowelment because they did that with the lowercase D.
2: This was also like a very like seminal album for me, like when I was like really uh, going down the the hole of of extreme metal. And I, I always like saw this Uh, Incantations, Mortal Throne, and Nazarene And Autopsies, Mental Funerals Kind of like an unholy trinity of like Doomy, Metal of
0: Death Wow, I like that because you didn't go the normal Like, you know, Morbid Angel, Deicide, Cannibal Corpse Well, Sick Bands Yeah But that's a common route Like, that's a weird unholy trinity to have in your head I mean, this is kind
2: of like once I got past Like, Morbid Angel, Deicide, Cannibal Corpse, and Death This was like the next level
0: all right, man. I, just an interesting connection between those three albums. I'll, something to think about.
2: Because I feel like there's parts on this that are pretty reminiscent of, of both Incantation and Autopsy, but it, it has that added layer of, of the the atmospherics. And uh, there's actually a note uh, on the inside that says there's no synths used on this album at all. So it, it's all uh, all those weird sounds you're hearing. It's just guitar.
3: Interesting. It's like crazy pedals and stuff. Just- yeah. Perfectly,
0: like like crafted knob and ni- movement yeah, Ninety-two. So also, you know, not not the the pedal friendly environment that a lot of uh, instrumentalists are working in nowadays. Yeah, no, like uh, MIDI recall on your shit. Right. You have yeah. to well,
1: you no have, automation at all. It's, yeah. You know, this is all analog. You, you know,
0: had to tap dance. Yeah, you, you know, you had to do the dance. People in time. still
1: soldering their own pedals, but yeah. you know, is, yeah. it's beautiful. Holy shit! Nice Helvetica, Diaz. Want to say that? A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of noted bands use Helvetica. It's also
2: worth mentioning that these guys are from Australia too. Who, uh, you know, a lot of sick fucking death metal comes yes. from Australia. You got your portals, your impetuous rituals, grave upheavals, and then uh, you got like the newer wave of like grindy yeah. death metal bands like your Incinerated, Rawhead, Faceless, Burial, Contaminated.
0: Psychroptic. Yeah. Not that I know that they. Not that they fit that description you just gave, but Cycroptic, Really yeah. great Australian band. King Parrot, the Kill. Oh yeah, we were just talking about Captain Clean Off and yeah. The Kill and Blood Fuck I'm Dead and yeah. all these crazy bands, man.
2: Yeah, there's just an atmosphere on this record that's completely unmatched. It's got like the the cryptic death metal, but there's also like a weird like new agey like. Heaven's Gate kind of vibe going on too. It's, yeah. if, if you look at the artwork, it's not your typical, uh, you know, gore painting or something weird, like weird that.
3: Weird, weird, a kind of vibe. Yeah, like it's like they yeah. chose some kind of color as like a, a sturdy taste. To so it's like it. a it's like
1: a New Age album presentation. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's very, very meditative. Cool. This this droning right now. You can I
3: feel
0: like you could taste like copper in the air. Yeah, in the recording. Oh, this is such an atmospheric recording, man. So much echo and the best thing. It's like it was recorded in a cave. Yeah. Listeners who maybe maybe there, there's a few of them that weren't particularly interested in uh, wrestling. Don't know so why. So I I, I I don't know, I don't know how
2: you can not like wrestling. Don't, I,
0: don't, I don't Yeah, I, I guess uh, have have fun bowling. Or you guys whatever. like Game yeah. of Thrones? Yeah. 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 You know that's fake. Oh, no. oh, oh got him, got him. You guys like Netflix? Yeah. Uh, I don't fucking pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> WWE Network. <laughs> you can't get wrestling on Netflix. Can you get Can you get wrestling on Netflix? Uh, I think there's
2: some documentaries. You on can't there. fucking you can get wrestling on Netflix. To, Actually, no, man, Lucha stupid. Underground is on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, if, if you uh, got Netflix, watch Lucha Underground. That's phenomenal pro wrestling. Glow
1: is on Netflix. Maybe Wrestling with Shadows is still on Netflix. I don't know.
0: I still hate Netflix. But Blue Japan World. I love New Sam. Japan World. Sam I love you too. Will we? We just wanna uh, thank you for coming out to the thank studio you for tonight. Talking about wrestling, updating us on your bands, bringing your own vinyl from your collection that I almost allegedly spilled uh, paraphernalia all over. Um, run, run it run it down. You got a lot of bands, man. Just, Plug it out. Just, just give us your bands that you're in, your shows that are coming up. Plug stuff right now. Let us know what's going on. Sam. All right, well, uh, Blame God's playing the Necrofest at
2: St. Vitus and Brooklyn Bazaar going on uh, September 20th and 21st. And that's going to have PLF, Horrendous, Noisem, Heinous, Crack House, a bunch of other sick bands. Speaking of Crack House, Schlack is going to be wrestling at the after show, uh, No Ring Deathmatch at Lucky 13. Also, uh, Jeff Cannonball, Marcus Crane, and Casanova Valentine will be wrestling. September 27th, Calcified's playing with Cerebral Rot, Fetid, Altar of Gore, and Oxalate at St. Vitus. And then on October 4th and 5th, Balorosian is playing the Rapid Decay Fest in Binghamton, New York with uh, Coke Bus, Deterioration, Haggis, G.O.D., Organ Dealer, Unmen, and a bunch of other uh, sick grind bands from uh, all, all over the place. And that's taking place at HCS Skate Park in Vestal, New York. That's uh, the town over from Binghamton. Also, shout-out Rock and Roll Gas Station. That's the recording studio YouTube channel that uh, Eric from Hadjenty has been uh, slaving his whole life over for the past two years. And uh, those FTW shows I was talking about, uh, July 28th and uh, August 10th in uh, the Hamptons and Queens, New York, respectively, uh, you could see uh, FTW uh, wrestling superstars such as uh, Tristan Ty Kono... Gabriel Skye, Chris Barton, Dominic De Niro, uh, my former tag team partner, Liam, and uh, Brian Idol, Rage,
0: Nimrod. Shout out to all those guys, all, all my, uh, my, my wrestling brothers. All right, man. So thank you, Sam. Um, everybody keep an eye out for this guy, whether he's jumping off the top rope or he's behind the drum kit. Uh, Jay Wall, I got to commend you. Thank you for all your research that you did. For this episode, man, Um, man. you know, really appreciate uh, highlighting some of the more metal moments in these wrestlers' lives, uh, and I hope to do it again. Yeah, just just
1: commit to your slams as well. We're asking. Yeah, work Uh, on
0: your riffs. Commit to your slams. That's the back of a t-shirt. I I see. Yeah, I just had a vision.
3: Yeah, so uh, get us on social medias. You know, just Google that. Because come on, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Ever, Tom. I really
1: want to. Call the podcast. How can I do that?
3: Why don't you give us a a voicemail, angry or not or whatever, at 631-837-3274. Hold on, my
1: earphone's cut out. What was that number again? That was 631-837-3274. There it is.
0: And if you got an album, a demo, something you want to recommend, you tell us about it on the voicemail. We'll play it. We'll put it on the show. We're not going to cut you a royalty check or nothing, but we'll play it. Amen. Alright, peace y'all. Later. Alright, God bless us all. Thanks again, Sam. Thank you.